Hello, everybody. Perfect. Thank you. Ladies and gentlemen, welcome to this week's Transatlantic Rebels podcast. And this time we are going to be doing a... Well, we haven't quite figured it out exactly how we're going to do it. Um, it's probably not all in a row because there are so many Marvel films. However, we're going to group together four of them in this podcast um, because there's, it's too much depth to, tw- to do one podcast per film. These are incredibly dense films on various levels so today we will be doing the three captain america films and um avengers age of ultron um not in that exact order uh, but rashad will sort of tell you all about that basically myself i'm uh, just a normal cinema goer and i've recently caught up on all the marvel films um Rashad knows his stuff on this. He's like Mr. Super Kingpin on this kind of stuff. So, um, so I'm, I'm looking forward to the general discussion. I'll be the kind of lay person. He'll be the expert. Yeah. So, uh, Rashad, um, you, you love Marvel, don't you? Um, I, I'll, I'll qualify this with this. At first, I, at first I thought it was okay. Like I was a Marvel fan when I was a kid reading, novel, reading, reading the books and all stuff like that. And then you grow older and you stop doing that stuff, whatever, and move on. <clears throat> when the first Iron Man came out, I was like, okay, I kind of didn't really follow it that much. But then it was around the time where the Winter Soldier came out. And then all of a sudden it felt like like all the stuff that did before, it finally clicked into place and it started firing on all cylinders. So I wasn't exactly a Marvel Studios fan from the beginning. I thought they were okay. But then once I think once, once we had a discussion on this, I think people have a better viewpoint of what I'm going to say about it. But uh, I became a Dower fan a little bit after uh, Winter Soldier. And then Age of Ultron pretty much just like like solidified it, and I was like, these guys are are saying something a little bit more than what people are expecting. Because usually, expecting blockbuster movies, do it to it to be a certain way and not really say anything. But in a lot of ways, they're saying a lot more things, but it's a little bit more subversive than what people expect. But I guess we're in a I, I like call I like to call it Empire Strikes Back syndrome, where when Empire Strikes Back first came out, it didn't make as much much money as Star Wars, and it didn't have like that legendary status of what it was. But with time. When people started appreciating what it was a little bit more, then they kind of seen it for what it was. And I kind of feel like, hopefully with this discussion today, at least from my viewpoint, I hope some people get the idea, at least kind of consider the ideal that Marvel's doing something a little bit more different than your uh, typical blockbuster. But I think for right now, we're in the middle of that, I always call it the success breeds contempt syndrome, where it's like something that's so successful and so popular that, that the majority of people either dismiss it or don't take it seriously at all until whatever it is completes and then you can take a step back and look at it but uh, hopefully i hope with this uh podcast that some of you guys will get a better idea of what they're trying to do or at least what i think they're trying to do and um what will help is since jessel's more of a um a lay person when it comes to this he'll give me like the uh the idea of a person who's not really a diehard fan but just somebody who just watches movies and enjoys them and see how that goes yeah, I think that's the ambition of this because I've seen you on Twitter talking about Age of Ultron in particular for so long now. And 
I only had the chance to kind of catch up on, on various things recently. I mean, in fact, to be perfectly honest, I thought that I'd barely seen any of the Marvel films. And then it's when, when we were talking, I think it was last week or something, I went through the list and I was like, I've seen all but two of them pretty much. <laughs> so, so, so I was kind of like, okay, let me just kind of round out the set and then we can talk about it all in, in more in, in more depth. Yeah. Um, I'm one of those people that probably you referred to that, uh, you know, I, I kind of have casually liked these over the years mm-hmm. since what? I think it was about 2008, wasn't it? Yes, that, that Iron Man first yeah. came out. Yeah, which I saw that in the cinema. I've seen, I've seen like probably half of them in the cinema, including Doctor Strange, which came out recently. And the rest of them I've just watched at home. Um, so, so yeah, like I'm, I'm not, I haven't been deeply invested in it, but because you've talked about it so, um, so passionately, then I've kind of started to once I once I watched these ones, I watched all of the Captain America ones this week, and I watched Age of Ultron last week. So, so those, those these four are actually very fresh in my memory, and I didn't really quite realise the, the depth of detail until I watched these four films, to be honest. Um, so, it's it's combined with Rashad's. Um, you know, passionate pleas about how intricate this all really is. Um, and, and me watching these that we've decided to do this and I'm like, wow, okay, this is actually, pretty, <laughs> this is pretty damn special. And I, I didn't really give it the, the credit that it was due to be honest. Yeah. Um, that, that's just, but like Rashad said, I am the layperson here. I'm just your normal cinema goer. So uh, I'm probably representative of most people in, in, um, in a wider context of who's watching these films, you know, I'm just looking more for the enjoyment value, but now I kind of get it. I'm more like, okay, this is like a giant, huge kind of like, I don't, I don't, I don't know how quite to describe it. Cause it's something that's never really been done before. Yes, where you, absolutely. You know, you get this in, um, box sets and, and, you know, multi-season TV programs, <laughs> but, you, but you don't get this in films, you know, you get a trilogy in films and that's as far as it ever goes really. Mm-hmm. So, um, so it's, it's pretty fascinating once I've kind of, now I've watched all of them, um, then, then yeah, I'm, I've been looking forward to this discussion. I, I can't wait for Rashad to kind of eliminate <laughs> myself and the listener on what's going on. So, yeah, yeah. so how would you like to kick things off? I, I take it we're going to go kind of like in chronological order, right? Yes. So we could do it. Um, we start with Captain America, the first Avenger. And I guess we can just kind of start with, 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 with what you, what you thought about it your opinions, blah, blah, this and that, and then we can just jump into what I think and then kind of have, like, discussion before we move on to the next one. Yeah, so this is one that I thought I'd seen and really didn't like, and it turns out that I think I was basically, like, on medicines or something because because <laughs> <laughs> I, I do not remember a single thing. If I did watch it, I don't remember one bit. So uh-huh. I, I, I really enjoyed this from the very start when I was like, hang on, that's that why is that bloke like so thin? I thought he's like really big and butch. And then I kind of, you know, I'm figuring it out as long as, as I'm going along and stuff. Um, and, uh, and it's kind of like, uh, I don't know. It, Tony Stark's dad is in it. And then you've got the British girl who, who I'd already seen in age of Ultron. And um, yeah, it was, it was incredibly fascinating. And I, I liked how they shot it in, you know, that was back in like what, 1941 or something, wasn't it? Yeah. During World War or, II, yeah. yeah. And, um, it was incredibly interesting and it's a lot better than I thought because with some of the other event, well, some of the other Marvel films, it's quite kind of, I found them quite, um, I don't know, quite, quite simplistic in certain storylines. Whereas this immediately was a level up from that. And I was like, okay, this is, this, there's some meat to this basically. Um, and yeah, just on, on multi levels. And, and I didn't realize kind of, going forward what all these characters how all these characters would be implemented in the future ones in so many detailed ways that's what i didn't quite get um 
but obviously I, I wouldn't get that because I don't I mean I'm not I haven't read the comics and all that kind of stuff so I wouldn't oh, know yeah, the you, you don't really need to yeah yeah um but, but yeah, it was, it was very interesting. It, it was an immediate step up from it. It was completely different to what I thought it would be. I thought mm-hmm. Captain America was going to be this kind of chest bashing, you know, USA, USA type thing, <laughs> you know. And then, and even as it continued, like we'll get into later films, I kind of started thinking, oh my God, this is just like Team America World Police. <laughs> <You know>? <laughs> <laughs> but, but then it's, it's very interesting how it's very, it's almost self-referential. Like they know that's going to happen. And then it's, there's a backlash that comes later on and stuff. So, so this was a very interesting, um, a very interesting kind of starting point for this thread of the storyline. Um, uh, now, I, I mean, you'll be able to take it and run with it and explain it in far greater detail. Okay. So um, I, I'll do a little background. Marvel does this thing where it's called, they call them phases where it's like, it's kind of like each, like there's, there's, there's a certain amount of like, like movies that end up in like a, like a season going back to what Jess was talking about with like the whole entire thing with, um, with seasons and season finale, stuff like that. There's like three phases so far. So the first phase was Iron Man, uh, Iron, The Incredible Hulk, Thor, Iron Man 2, Captain America, and the season finale was um, basically The Avengers. And going back to what Jessel was talking about, the, the simplicity of it, because if you go, if you, I don't know if anybody remember when it first came out, that nobody thought that this whole, this Marvel thing was going to work. Nobody knew who Iron Man was. Nobody cared who Thor was. Nobody cared who uh, Captain America was. Uh, nobody, well, they saw a Hulk movie, but they weren't too uh, impressed by it, blah, blah, blah. So, when we get into the second phase, which is after the first event, after the Avengers movie, um, they kind of kept things simple in a way, in a sense, to kind of ease people into it. Because, as you'll see later on, it gets more complex than what you expected to be. So, they kind of had to hold the audience's hand and keep the story relatively simple with Tony Stark and Bruce Banner and Thor and Captain America. And it seems like, going back to what Jess was saying, Captain America was like the one where they like turned it up a notch, where like okay, because more than Thor, if you hear the words Captain America, you think of that cheesy, like you said. Especially, I remember Marvel being afraid, and people and, and people in the, the movie industry saying that the name Captain America would kind of turn turn people off who weren't Americans. They would kind of see it in the sense that Jessel said, where it's like that rah rah sis boom ba America stuff, which is funny considering the next two movies after Captain America, the first Avenger. Um, so. Going back into the movie, in the sense, it's kind of like that ideal where it's a uh, like a like a like the Indiana Jones kind of feel to it. That uh, wham bam kind of like like cape snapping kind of like that uh, whippersnapper kind of situation going on. Except for the fact that Captain America kind of like, or at least the way that Chris Evans plays Captain America, he kind of is at least for me in the Marvel universe kind of represents what the American spirit should be. And it, and he kind of like go and, it, and like his idealism kind of goes against what America actually is when you go to later movies, kind of in a sense where it's like the hypocritical sense. And it's crazy to see in like a movie that's owned by Disney, that's created by Marvel, to kind of have that ideal in a sense. So let me ask you about um, what was your opinion on uh, Chris Evans? I think he was actually really good, and um, like the only time I re- the only kind of other film I recognize him from is he was in Fantastic Four as the the human fireball guy, right? That's the only the only other thing that I even recognize him from. So um, I, I think he did a really great job, and I think it's also in conjunction with the writing in 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 the, the first Avenger. 
because there are some great lines in this film that uh, there are some quotables. These are the kind of ones that, you know, like some dude will probably tattoo on his chest kind of thing, that kind of thing. You know, <laughs> there, there are some really great ones. And, uh, what, what some of those stuff? I, I mean, no, I knew you were going to ask me that. And I, I'm just so <laughs> prepared that I haven't because, because uh, I've literally only finished watching. I've watched, I finished watching the third Captain America today, the second one yesterday and the, and, and like the other one Friday. So uh, <laughs> today's currently Sunday. So, uh, I haven't had like lots of time to prepare and actually okay. take take detailed quotes and stuff, but I just remember there are loads. Like I think what was the one when when basically the the doctor guy, who um, what well, Stanley Tucci isn't it? So yeah. he's he's saying that um, the difference is that that you know you're you're kind of more humble and stuff like that. You know you you haven't got the arrogance of the other guy, and that's why. Um, I'm explaining it dreadfully, but the, you, you know, if you have seen it, it's that that point in the film. Are you talking about the bullies line? I don't like bullies. Whoever it is. that's it. It's not a, yeah, that's exactly it. Yeah. yeah. So, um, so yeah, that's what I kind of liked, and that's that's the sort of thing that started to add depth to it because I don't think that, like you said, that first phase is almost like. I mean, I think what they've probably done is divvied it up like an actual box set, but just you know, like in, in an expanded cinematic form. So those, those first ones are more simplistic. It's more about action, funniness, you know, clever things that, that kind of hook you in. Um, but, but not on a, not on a really detailed level. And then this phase two seems a lot, it starts getting deeper. It's kind of like, you know, like any of these box sets, you know, that, that, that we watch. So, um, I, yeah, I think that's the clever thing. And, um, as for, I mean, as for Chris Evans, um, I think he just did a really good job in in this first one in particular. I think in the third one it starts. I think it's set up that he's as you say he's supposed to start getting that American arrogance in of the, of that kind of world police kind of vibe, um, and he's not a dick with it or anything. But it's just it's that subtext is there. Whereas in the first one he's incredibly humble and, and it helps like you know he's physically meek and humble, and then even though he gets transformed into this kind of you know beautiful specimen. Um, he still has that he's still dreadful with girls and all that kind of stuff you know it's quite in, it is quite endearing and it's very multi-layered the the, the first avenger i'm um, sorry you were going to say before oh no i was going to say um basically they're going back to the comic thing for a moment it's basically following the uh the like how comic books work where comic books are are basically soap operas with superpowers pretty much it's more about it's weird because people talk about the marvel formula in a sense Whereas, like, comic books do follow a formula, but the thing that the Marvel Studios movies do, and later on, it's going gonna, it's gonna to pay off later on as we go through these movies, is that they know that there's a good guy and there's a bad guy. The good guy fights the bad guy, the bad, the bad guy loses, and the hero wins. And they realize that. But what Marvel Studios does, and what's going to pay off for them, it's kind of like the opposite of what the Batman movies do, where the Batman movies, they're made by their villains. Where Marvel is kind of focused more on the characters. Of the, of, of the hero. Because, like, if you think about the Batman movies, in a sense, he tends to get overshadowed by his villains. Whereas in the Marvel movies, they focus a lot on the um, the characters. And in a sense, the characters' own flaws are more of a threat to the, the characters than the actual villain. The villain is actually like that placeholder to kind of deal with the exterior force. Whereas all the Marvel heroes, their worst enemies are either their own flaws or the other heroes that they got to butt against against. It's, like, it's almost like a a dysfunctional family, pretty much, with them, in a sense. And certain bad guys kind of see that, as you'll, we'll talk about later on, that are aware of that, and they exploit the hell out of that. Mm. Because because it's, in a sense, like that. It's like a, it's like a dysfunctional family, pretty much. It's like, they mean well, they're overpowered. It's kind of like, it's, it's a very American like situation, where it's like, America's so powerful, but 
they're so self-destructive, so self-destructive. And there's kind of like there, there's a play on that in Age Ultron. We'll get to that point right there. But there's a lot of critique of America that's subtle going on in these movies, especially these four, which I call the thematic spine of the whole entire thing. But uh, we can get to that a little bit later. But I guess for at least with this one, Captain America, they basically had to find a way to make the Captain America character work without being overly cheesy. And I believe they pulled that off in a sense. Because Captain America, as a concept, could be easily cheesy. And they even make fun of it with the whole entire um, the propaganda situation, where they have them performing <laughs> yeah. on, on USO and doing that <laughs> stuff. With that, America! Da, 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 da. It's like that one get out like, we know it's cheesy, so we're going to get that out the way right now. And then he kind of, he, he has to earn it, because even with the regular soldiers that he come across, the regular soldiers are like, you haven't seen shit, son. Like, you out there fighting fake Hitlers and dancing with Rockettes and stuff like that? It's like, come on now, man. Yeah. So they so they are aware of that the cheesy aspect of Captain America, and I, and I'm pretty sure they took it as you can see they took it very seriously to make sure that, that character had a little bit more nuance than just being the Boy Scout. And like you said, as we go along through the other two movies, you'll see that he's not the same person he was when he started, in a sense. And I would argue all the all the Avengers like that, but I think because when people go see a movie, this is what this is what the Marvel movies do that people aren't still aren't ready for even other critics. Is that they're so used to the broad strokes, they're not paying attention to like the smaller strokes, because the characters do change every movie, and people don't see that. They just go, they 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 pretty much focus on the the formula of the actual plot, which if you think about the Avengers movies, and I think going forward, hopefully we'll come to the same conclusion, is that it's not so much the plot, it's just how the characters react to each other and react to the situations more than the actual like plot structure. I think that's the strength of it: is the themes and the character rather than the actual plot. Yeah, and let me make a complete tangent right here, but equate it to what I think is going on. Basically, if you kind of tie it into what's what's happening in the stock market, even around exactly around that time, kind of 2008, 2009, the way that they've set this all up reminds me of um, if you look at what the stock market was like back then, because with the with the recession, then basically stocks fell and nervous people kind of sell off and then the clever people buy it up because, it, you know, you buy low, sell high. Now, if you, if you look at what you look at various stocks back in like 2008 when the first Iron Man was released, then exactly what you have to what you were saying is instead of ignoring the broad strokes, you look at the finer kind of detail of everything. The devil is always in the detail. So you look at the the different metrics of things and, and you think, okay, where is this going to go? Right now, it's you know Netflix was at like six dollars for a share at, at that point or something like that. So. You know, you look at it and think, okay, this is like a really cheap stock. There must be something wrong with it, right? But if you actually get into the detail and try and project forward into what it could be, then look forward six years, I mean, what, eight years after after that. And now Netflix is like, what, $120 a share. You know, if you just put whatever into that, you would have, you know, multiplied your money so much and expand that to loads of different stocks around that time. And that's exactly what they've... <laughs> yeah, this is now what I'm I keep mad. saying. Now, now you got to be mad. I'm thinking about I should have bought stock in Netflix, Jesus. That's what I keep saying. I keep telling people. Do you know what I tell people? I'm like, if you had not. If I knew you know you back then, I would have did it. <laughs> Listen, right, there, there's, two, there's two big things. The Apple thing is particularly big. But basically, there, there's this website where if you type in how much you'd spent on the Apple product you'd bought in that particular year. And instead, if you'd not bought the Apple product but bought stock, how much that would be worth now. So say, for example, I always remember this with my brother. He bought like a he bought like an iMac or something in 2002, I think it was. And he paid like 2,200 quid for it, something ridiculous like that. 
Now, if <laughs> if instead he had bought Apple stock with that money, then right now it would be worth about two hundred and fifty thousand pounds. <laughs> Jesus Christ, dog! You could buy a oh fucking house. You could buy a house with that. Literally buy a house instead of some you know disposable electronic. It's completely yeah. redundant now. Uh, the Netflix thing is is pretty much palpable to that. The, the, someone tweeted this a while ago, a list of particular stocks that in the last kind of seven or eight years have just, you know, ridiculous levels. If you just put in a, you know, a nominal amount of money, you'd just be laughing right now. And anyway, tying it back to this, this is kind of what they've done. You know, you don't realize, like when I watched the first Iron Man now, I don't realize like all the detail. I was just like, okay, they're, they're just kind of rebooting something that no one particularly cared about, but it's more a vehicle for Robert Downey Jr. And then you don't, re- and also because actually, if you look at the timeline of it, there were only three films in the first three years. Um, and two of them were in the first year. There was Incredible Hulk. Now the Incredible Hulk thing, that was a bit of a fiasco as well, because you know, you had Edward Norton and then Mark Ruffalo flies in to become the Incredible Hulk. And it's kind of like, to me, that was always a bit of a, I was like, what are these guys Jarring. doing? Yeah, it was kind of like, well, you know, if they've already fucked this up, like in year one, then should I really kind of, you know, follow this religiously kind of thing? Now, that, that might seem like a harsh thing, fine. But then even the, the first Thor one, I thought that was just good fun. So all those kind of phase one films, I'm like, yeah, it's just a bit of fun, basically. I didn't realize what they were building. And it's exactly the sort of same thing with the stock market. <laughs> you know, if you looked at what Netflix was back in 2008 and compare it to what it is now, yeah, very, very different propositions. And that's what the Marvel Universe is like. Um, so so for me, like, you know, if we kind of get back on track, um, then, then um, I think if you're looking at that first Avengers, uh, sorry, the first Captain America one, that to me is the point when it started getting serious. Then, like, okay, we're going to really start building in like uh, deeper layers of stuff because I don't think the first ones really do have those deeper, deeper layers. They have plot lines. They have deep plot lines that will be, you know, expand expanded upon later. Fine, but that's that's yeah, different that's- to, yeah, that's different to actually crafting a film that is multi layered. So, yes. um, yeah, you're right. They're just introductions. It's it's like the first series of a box set when you're kind of getting to know everyone and stuff like that. Mm-hmm. Um, but the stakes are high on this, you know, a lot higher than what you'd say on like something like Mad Men, you know? <laughs> like just just from a monetary status, from a heritage state of uh, heritage status of all these kind of characters that are so beloved and stuff. And um, and then if you look at what DC have been doing, I mean, like I I, I guess we're kind of again I'm the layperson, but to me the. I don't know, it's a mess. I, I look at it as a layperson and think, what the fuck's going on? Look, what's happening yeah. with Spider-Man and Superman? I just don't even know. I don't even bother with those guys anymore. I'm just like, I don't you, know you what's Spider-Man, going on. You mean Spider-Man, you mean Superman and Batman? No, Batman for me was defined because it had Christian Bale and now, okay. now they're going to go and fuck it up in their own way. <laughs> okay, gotcha. but, but like... The Spider-Man, you had um, Tommy, Toby Maguire, oh, then you got yeah, the other I see, dude. I see what you're saying. I got you. Yeah, so, so what I'm saying is that they, they, haven't, they haven't established... They haven't tied in a group of actors to really commit to something in the long term to build something special, which is like, you know, if you look at something like what they did with Friends, you know, they tied those guys in for 10 years, which is something pretty special. Yeah. And they were paying them a million dollars per episode, which again, which is a hell of a lot. But in the end, it paid off in every single way. Um, and that's what they're trying to do with this, I guess. But but then I look at DC and think, what the fuck's going on? I just don't even understand. I read the Wikipedia pages. I'm like, <laughs> I, just, I just don't understand. Now, like, you know. I mean, I don't want, uh, for the for DC fans out there, like, I, I'll qualify this. Like, I'm not a DC fan, but I, I will never, I won't crap. I mean, I, I, I troll a lot on Twitter, but that's just in good fun. But in all seriousness, like, if they enjoy those movies, enjoy those movies. 
But the thing that hurt DC was they they tried to play catch up to Marvel in a sense instead of just focusing on making their movies. Like they should have stuck to their guns and did what they did with uh, Christopher Nolan stuff, where it's like just have faith in the actual story and then worry about the other stuff later. Because I feel like I, I just feel like. For me, like Marvel's not for everybody. Nothing's gonna be for everybody. Even the holy Star Wars is not for everybody. So I, I, when people talk about uh, universally loved, it's, there's no such thing as universally loved. There's things that are far more popular than other things. I mean, Star Wars is like a class unto itself because it's the first one of those franchises that really hit the, the zeitgeist on that level. So Star Wars is an anomaly to itself. I mean, even among all these other franchises, so that's out the window. But um, but it seemed like to me. That when Marvel got more successful, because nobody in Hollywood thought this was going to work, the whole building universe, lead them to the Avengers. Everybody, nobody wanted to see Iron Man. Nobody wanted to see blah, blah, blah. And then when it worked, the thing that Hollywood always does, and this is the problem that it always has, is instead of looking at what made these, what made the Marvel Universe work, they focused on the surface level stuff that made it work. The thing that Marvel did that made these movies work, if you don't care about these characters, the movie's just not going to work at all. And what, and what these other studios are worried about building these universes is they're just following the the, the basic skeletal plan. Well, if we have this guy in this movie, and this guy in this movie, and this guy in this movie, then they team off at the end, and that's it. But if you don't build your characters up, or if you don't have the care to pick the right actors to do what you're going to do, then you're going to struggle for a little bit. And I think that's what's going on right now. And I said a tweet the other day. I was like, the moment that DC stops trying to chase Marvel's money is the moment their movies will be better. I was like, have faith like you had in Christopher Nolan. Have faith like you had in all, all the other movies you did that were successful, like the Tim Burton ones and, and all the other jazz. So, I don't know. But, for me, it just seems like that they tried to just rush to get Justice League out because they wanted their own Avengers. It seemed like the stockholders were like, okay, we have a, we have DC. They have superhero characters. Let's fast track this so we can catch, to, catch up to the Avengers. And the problem is, is that Marvel is so far ahead. Whether you like them or not, look at their success. They're so far ahead that you can't even bother catching up to them. All you can do is just make your own movies and just make them as best as you can. That's all you can worry about right now. It's like those. It was like when Star Wars came out and they had all those different copycats with Star Wars, and they didn't. They didn't. They couldn't catch up to it because it wasn't so much that if you're when you're a creative person, if your intention is in the right place to create something good first, and then the money will come. But if you're going to do something where you play catch up because somebody else got there first and tried to do a build, are you going to be seen as as a copycat or or watered down in a sense? Okay, so let me um, let me sort of ask you something because you've mentioned this before. Um, so, say if you look at the Star Wars thing, like the first six, anyway, then you've got George Lewis, uh, George Lucas as the overseer. Now, you used the word overseer about this guy Kevin Feige. Now, I, I, as a layperson, Kevin Feige, I, yeah, Feige, yeah, Feige. Okay, see, so I'm that much of a layperson. I don't know how to pronounce his name. So, <laughs> so you mentioned him, and I was like. I don't know who the fuck this guy is. I'd better Wikipedia yeah. him. So I Wikipedia him, and then and then because you, you this is just being honest. And then yeah. then I was like, okay, fine. So I was really looking forward to this one because I wanted you to expand upon what his role is as the overseer and how you think how how the hell is he doing this? Because although I I'm going to qualify this and say like when I watched Doctor Strange, I was like that was before I watched these ones like these kind of Captain America and, and Age of Ultron ones. Um, so when I watched Doctor Strange, I was like, yeah, this is a, a perfectly good film, right? But if you if you take it as a standalone film, it's it's just de- it's just a good, solid, decent film. It's nothing mind-bending at all. <laughs> mind-bending, although the film is. But, um, but, but, but then if you 
And also, I'm going to say it's pretty formulaic. You know, all of these ones, whenever a character is introduced, they're just a normal person. They're a bit nice or they're a bit of a dickhead. And then something happens and then they get these superpowers and then blah, 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 blah. So it's, it's, all, it's all pretty much the same how they're all introduced generally. Um, however, then when you, when you start tying them into that wider universe, then this guy is the overseer is doing an incredible job. Like it suddenly yes. hit me in this last week watching these four films, <laughs> especially when I was watching age of ultra, I think I was tweeting, I was messaging you or something. And I was like, yeah. fucking hell, man, the amount of work that must've gone into this shit. Like seriously, it, that, that's, yes. that just started blowing my mind. I was like, even if I just stopped it, I just, I just paused it at one second when they were having that giant fight in the woods. And um, I was like, the amount of work that just must have gone into this frame alone. Yeah, that, that, it, rem- it reminded me of, um, it did remind me of kind of like George Lucas, Star Wars kind of thing. But, but then yes. you're bringing in a whole load of other characters who have a gigantic history of years, decades, decades of history. And, and you're doing a great job pulling them all together in this unified purpose. And I was like, who the hell is this guy? This guy's... <laughs> This guy, Kevin, I'm going to call him Kevin Feige, sorry. <laughs> this just stuck in my head. Okay, Kevin Feige. Yeah. Kevin Feige, this guy's a fucking genius. Like, all right, anyway, stop rambling. Um, okay. how, is, how is he doing this? Okay, so basically, Kevin Feige was uh, picked up by, um, uh, he was like, when he was younger, like in the, working in Hollywood, he basically worked with the Donner, like Richard Donner and his wife and stuff like that with the X-Men movies and the Spider-Man movies. So he's been involved in all these before the, even Marvel Studios became Marvel Studios, he was involved in all of these um, different like superhero movies. So he kind of like he was kind of like the guy that kind of sat back and just watched how things worked, how things did well, and how things didn't well, didn't work well, and stuff like that. So he basically had the ideal of treating comic book movies like literally like like comic book storytelling, like literally. It's like each each. Because like when you read a comic book, it's basically like this. It's it's kind of like it's, it's kind of like OCD. It's kind of like he kind of taps into people's OCD behavior. Because when you read a comic book and you read like for example you read Spider Man, right? Okay, you read Spider Man, and then you're reading it, and then all of a sudden Wolverine pops up, right? And Wolverine says, "Uh, I remember that time me and you fought and blah 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 blah." Hmm. And then in a the little corner, you would you, you would see the editor say, "Read read uh, read X Men X Men number thirty two for more information about like that." So when you watch a Marvel movie, like at least at least like a little bit at the beginning they kind of do it like that you watch these movies you're okay and then some some like for some people some people might be more into thor or more into iron man or more into captain america or just want to see the avengers movie so you have all these different people around you, you, so you're, you're you're playing the percentages the majority of people aren't going to follow these movies that close they're going to either see them the characters they like or the general masses are going to see the avengers movie because that's like the big event movie and most of the time people really don't follow these things they just give you a basic storyline to just hang your hat on to go, okay, let's not make the story too complex. Let's just keep the story simple. And if the people go into the movies and, and see it and enjoy it, have a good time, they got their money's worth and let's move on like that. However, what he does with how the comic book things work, and this is how he pull, this is how Marvel has the fans about what they got, okay. So the majority of people will see the movie and go out and see it and go leave, go home. But there's always these people where Star Wars capitalized on it, Lord of the Rings capitalized on it. There's going to be a, a great amount of people that, if they fall in love with the characters, they're going to start seeing these little, like, like little throwaway lines or throwaway scenes, and they're going to go, "Okay, what were they doing back there?" And then they'll kind of go hook on in, into that sense. Where like normal sequels, how they worked was basically like, if you watch a normal sequel, like a Die Hard movie, you can go see Die Hard one, and that's it. You can see Die Hard two, and that's it. If you like John McClane, you don't have to know John McClane's life story. You just have, you just have to have an ideal John McClane. 
and then you can see Dara 2 or Dara 3. It's like there's really no 100% tying in that rewards you for paying attention. It's like, okay, it's John McClane. We know John McClane is a guy that when, when shit goes down, he goes down and stops it. And he's a guy that's a smart-ass guy, and that's no more, no less. He doesn't interact with anybody 100% really that goes from movie to movie. It's kind of like, it's like him and the movie resets. Whereas the Marvel movies, like, okay, are the plot lines formula? Yes. But what he banks on is the character development is where the real plot lies at. For example, going back to your Doctor Strange thing. Like, I guarantee you, because I, 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 I kind of like, I followed the, uh, the director on, um, on Twitter. And the director said to himself, like, and you and, and you can kind of see it right there. He's like, he he's planning to go like a like like a dark knight kind of pushing Doctor Strange in the in the creative level that it wasn't. But first, you had to kind of explain the rules of that universe because that universe for lay for lay turn people, they will not get that with the whole mirror universes and sling rings and this and that and blah blah blah. You kind of have to ease the main audience into that. But now that Doctor Strange is like almost making seven hundred million dollars right now. Now he can do like what we're going to talk about with the Winter Soldier is take it in a whole new direction that pushes it farther than what you ever expected it to be. And I guess we can segue into that right now so we can, we can kind of continue this conversation going on. But proof of my argument is the Winter Soldier because the Winter Soldier is 100% different than what Captain America, the first Avenger is. Yeah, and, and, and I mean, if I can just make one more point that will kind of be a common thread through all of the films that we're talking about today is the level of acting and the standard of actors that they've hired in because that's what kind of shocked me a little bit. I was kind of like, you know, like someone like Chris Evans, you know, I'm going to be honest, it was like, okay, this dude's been in Fantastic Four, that's it. I don't, I don't think he's anything, he's not like a, you know, Oscar-winning guy or anything like that. He's just like quite handsome and quite muscular and a, and a solid actor. Um but then, but then, obviously, he does a good job in these films. But if you look at who else is in it, you're like, okay. <laughs> so I, I, I was, I was pretty surprised as as it goes on, as these four films go on. You know, yeah. you've you've got what? Okay, Chris Evans, Tommy Lee Jones turns up. I mean, that guy, that guy's probably not given a bad performance in forty years. <laughs> Hugo Weaving, Hugo Weaving is amazing. Yeah, now, okay, Hayley Atwell, I'm going to be honest, I don't think I've seen her in anything before, or if, if I don't think so. Um, now, Sebastian Stan is a funny one because I didn't realise how pivotal he was going to be as um, James Bucky Barnes, but he just did a, he did a good job in this film. Okay, fine. Now, and then you've got Stanley, uh, Stanley Tucci, yeah, uh, who, who does a really good job Toby, in this. Yeah, 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 Toby Jones in there too. Yeah. And um, and I, well, I mean, Stanley Tucci's a damn good actor. That guy is damn damn good. He never disappoints ever. I I don't think. I mean, even in the Hunger Games, that guy's amazing. But like, if you're taking it all the way back, like what over twenty five years, I don't think I've seen him put in a bad performance. Even as even if you think about something something like the Terminal, him yeah. it, it, he's the he's the best character in the Terminal. That guy is the heart of that film. He's so good. He's such an arsehole. <laughs> so uh, so okay, I was quite impressed on that one. Then you go into Winter Soldier. <laughs> so, okay, so let me ask you a question. So let me ask you a question. Okay, on, you first set, so let me, ask you, let me set the scene for you. Before you even watch Winter Soldier, what were you thinking after you watched Captain America the first Avenger? What was your mindset going into Winter Soldier before you watched it? So, okay, because I'd already watched Age of Ultron, I, I kind of messed up the, the order and stuff. So I watched Age of Ultron on a Friday, and then the following Wednesday or something, or, or a Thursday or something, I started watching First Avenger. 
Then I watched Winter Soldier. Now, after watching, well, throughout watching First Avenger, I was like, okay, we're back in the 1940s, blah, blah, blah. Then right at the end, it was a bit of a kind of convenient thing. Okay, shit, now he's frozen for 70 years, whatever. But... But okay, fine, it, it got us forward. So I was expecting already Winter Soldier to be something completely different. Um, and and it, it was. And I wasn't... I, I, I had no idea. I didn't realise that the Winter... <laughs> uh, spoilers here in case, you know, blah, blah, blah. But I didn't realise that the Winter Soldier was going to be Bucky. You know, I had no yeah. idea whatsoever. So I was kind of like, shit, that's like, wow. Okay. And then, then you've got Scarlett Johansson coming into it. Okay, fine. I don't know. This wasn't the first time she appeared, was it? No, she was in Iron Man 2, and then she was in The Avengers. Yeah, yeah, I thought so. And um, and then, who else is in it? Um, Kobe Smulders. Uh, yeah. I've always loved her because I'm a big How I Met Your Mother fan. Um, Emily Van Camp, it's hilarious because I, I have always known who she was because my wife started watching Revenge. So um, that's where she made her name, Revenge, Like I think, as far as I know. So I've always known who she was for like years. So I was kind of, oh, wow, girl from Revenge. There you go. And... Um, and then, like, Robert Redford shows up. You are like, like, what the hell? And instantly I knew, I was like, yeah, they're, they're setting this up that, okay, Robert Redford, you know, typical all-American hero. I was like, I bet he's the arsehole in this film. And, and like, yeah, spoiler alert, yeah, he is. Okay, fine. Um, so that was great. I, I don't actually think Robert Redford was that great in this film, um, but I don't think he was given that much rope, if, if I'm honest. I think that's the one thing I'd be slightly critical about this film. I think they could have given some better lines because in, in the other two films, the Captain America ones, they give the villains some pretty great lines and stuff. Uh-huh. Um, obviously he's more of the kind of bureaucratic villain. Oh yeah. 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 Um, but still you kind of like, I don't know. I, and it's interesting what they're, they're getting these older characters in who are kind of like just absolute legends and, and just being like, yeah, come on, just, just get involved and stuff. I, I love that. Like Tommy Lee Jones, Robert Redford, they've done it and quite a few of the other ones as well. Um, so yeah, it's cool. And, and, even Jenny Agatha, actually. Jenny Agatha's in it. I was like, I swear that's Jenny Agatha. I was like, yeah, I Googled it. I was like, shit, that is. And like, we've all seen her naked. She's like, in Britain, she's absolutely famous for a film that she did in the 70s. <laughs> so, when movie was that? When movie was that? Uh, I think it was The Wicker Man. Um, okay. Uh, or no, Walkabout. I think it was Walkabout. Um, something like that. I was, I was watching America World for London. I seen her in that one. Yeah, she's in that. But she she was she was huge. Like back in. Uh, sorry, I, I know it's a completely dick thing to say that we've seen her naked, but it's just that always that always comes up in kind of retrospective things about how um, certain male some certain members of the male generation of that era when they were teenagers that that was their first exposure to like a sex symbol kind wow. of thing. Yeah, so that's why it's always kind of it's kind of like Kelly LeBrock was for me, I guess. Uh, like weird science. Weird science. <laughs> <laughs> and and also yeah. see no evil, hear no evil. Yeah. Um, yeah. Anyway, being a dick again. Um, so yeah, yeah. But I think I think Winter Soldier was it, again another big step up. I think that was really cool. It started getting a lot more complex and stuff. And and the, the whole Bucky thing really caught me, really caught me by surprise. So uh, that was wicked. That was absolutely wicked. But yeah, you you go into more detail on on the kind of like. No, nah, well, basically, teams. yeah. Well, basically, you go into a situation where um, Captain America's Captain America. He comes out there, or whatever, like that. Um, in a situation where, like, he's serving, like, for all intents and purposes, the the military itself, basically. And it winds up turning out that that the group that he was working for winds up being a group that he was always against. It's kind of like that that flip thing where, like, you are you have this idealism that you're fighting a good fight. And at the end of the day, you realize you're actually the bad guy in your fighting situation. And Captain America is kind of like in that situation where it's like, he has a, he has a, he has a pretty strong moral compass. 
And even at the beginning of the movie, he said something wrong because there's all this like espionage and centrifuge and stuff like that. And he's like, "This is this is this is not right." Blah blah. This and that. Yada yada yada. And Nick Fury is kind of like more of like a modern person in a sense, where he's kind of like, "You kind of have to grow up, cat. The world is not as complicated. The world is more complicated than what you think it is." And this and that. And Captain America tries to kind of fight that. Even at the end of the movie, Captain America's. He kind of he he kind of still stays the same way, even though he's been humbled. I mean, it, it, it affects him later on in the next two movies if if you pay attention. But it's kind of like it's kind of like when you're a teenager and you think you can save the world, blah blah this and that, and then you learn that the, your whole worldview is not what you thought it was, in a sense. And it's kind of like you need to grow up a little bit, even with. But it's funny because even as he's kind of going through that, he is kind of pulling people towards his way, like going back to uh, the Black Widow, where the Black Widow's like super cynical. And then Black Widow kind of comes, like, towards the end of the movie, she starts going around his way, seeing that inspirational stuff like that. Like, he kind of sees the good in her, and it kind of pulls her out of there. Because a threat with Black Widow is she's always trying to kind of, like, uh, like pay uh, pay it back for all the evil she'd done when she was a Russian spy or whatever like that. She joined S.H.I.E.L.D. because she kind of wanted to, like, start doing good. So she still kind of had that, like, like that negative aspect. Where, like, when her and uh, Captain's driving in the car, he's driving to New Jersey... And he's asking her about who she is, and then she tells she tells him basically, I I'm, I am whoever what I want them to see or whoever they want me to be. And then he asks her, he's like, what kind of life is that to live? It's like it's a better life than getting killed, kind of in a sense. So she's like that that cynical, that Nick Fury kind of cynical kind of thing. Like, well, the world is fucked, blah blah, this and that. And then even through Cap's actions throughout the whole movie, because he kind of stays that moral center, then she kind of comes along with it. And his boy, uh, the Falcon kind of goes along with it too like that inspiration kind of thing. like he's an old war soldier and he kind of goes and he's like that boy scout where he's like he's like that military that that military mindset where it's like you see captain america in front of you and it's captain america is like the symbol of like american goodness at least for the military and then he jumps right on it and things change later on with the next two movies but um it's that sense of everybody seeing it cap's way but caps is going to be more affected by the situation than what people expect as compared to back in the first Avenger, where it's like you got the Nazis, so it's pretty simple who the bad guy's going to be. You can attack them right there. Whereas in this one, it's like you are Shield was his own worst enemy, and it kind of goes. And it's funny because it kind of goes back to that that historical thing where after a World War II, where America started like taking in like those German scientists and started like developing weapons and stuff like that. It was the very same thing that happened in this movie where Shield took in those German scientists and took advantage of that situation. Kind of like giving them like a amnesty in a way for all of what they did before in an effort to kind of build them up and they kind of bit them in the ass at the end of the day. Yeah, I think there's a lot of this is is rooted in reality and in terms of, I think like something like Iron Man, it's interesting because I, I recently finished the, um, it's, it's not quite a biography, but it, it's a book on Elon Musk written by some bloke. And um, and Elon Musk is is quite intrinsically linked to Iron Man to Robert Downey Jr.'s character um, in, in certain ways, and like, and Elon Musk is aware of this and stuff, and blah 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 blah. And um, whereas, the, whereas Captain America is kind of obviously there are a lot of like World War II uh, throwbacks and stuff like that. And you're right, the, the whole Nazi thing. If anything, this these films got me quite interested in the world of Hydra because you don't actually see a lot of it. In, uh, do Hydra pop up in, in any of the other films in any meaningful way? Like, um, I will say that. Um Hydra popped up in okay. The thing with Hydra is is like they like they like come in and out. They're subtle. Like they always go back to the shadows, so they could pop up at any moment. 
Because remember, the whole line is you cut off one head, the other two cover. Because they do pop up. Because certain members do pop up in Ant Man. There's a whole war with. There's a whole secret war with Shield and Hydra on the TV show. But when I'm talking about the TV show, but um, they pop up here and there. They do pop up like in certain spots, and there's always a chance they could pop up here or there or something like that. There's always like these groups. There's two groups, but I won't talk about the other group right now because we're not talking about Iron Man. We'll talk about that on the Iron Man thing. But Hydra does pop in and out here and there. Mm-hmm. Hydra does have like a like a like a part in because because this member this carries on into Age of Ultron at the the first scene, but we'll get to that in a moment. But uh, yeah, they come in and out. Yeah, and um, I mean. In terms of what else with the Winter Soldier, I think the Winter Soldier himself is very interesting, uh, a very interesting character. But it's one of those funny ones because I was always kind of like, how does this guy keep kicking everyone's ass all the time? Because you look at him and you think, well, it's just some bloke with like a metal arm. Um, the other thing I have to say that was really bugging me about Captain America is um, every time anyone shoots for him, they just shoot for his chest. And so he puts his shield up to his chest. I'm like, shoot the fucking legs. Just shoot his legs. It's like in Karate <laughs> Kid when you're like, sweep the leg, Daniel, sweep the leg. And I'm like, you just go for his legs, for God's sake. You know, uh, I don't know. That really bugged me because I was like, this is just a bit too much of a, you know, you're giving a bit too much leeway here. Anyway, uh, Winter Soldier, I thought was a great character and the development is brilliant because you're right. It's kind of Captain America is Steve Rogers is very kind of, he's very vanilla in a certain way that you know what you're going to get from him. You know what kind of moral set you're going to get from him. Whereas with Tony Stark, you never quite know what's going to go on. Um, (laughs) Whereas with Steve Rogers, yes, you do. But then once you introduce Bucky, that's when that's when he starts changing. You know, he really he really does. And um, it's funny because normally with this kind of thing, you know, it would be the introduction of a, of a love interest that was like uh, who acts as like a Yoko Ono figure to whatever. Whereas this is actually his best mate, and and that's the it, that's the really fascinating part for me because like that that happens in real life. You know that that's and that's more interesting than just throwing in a love interest and being like yeah okay he changed because of that so uh, and um and that continues throughout the next couple of films as well um i i think um the other thing was nick fury getting ambushed that was awesome i absolutely loved that that was that was a breathtaking that was one of those ones i actually just i just stopped breathing for like probably about 90 seconds i was just like shit what's gonna happen what's gonna happen and, yeah. and that was that was dope um what else was cool i think um yeah, I, th- I think uh, this wasn't one so much for incredible set pieces. It's more about combat that I really enjoyed, and yeah. the kind of almost like duels. Like there were a lot of duels going along, uh, going on in this that I found very mm-hmm. interesting. Um, the filmmakers were inspired by uh, Heat. Really, more that more 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 that grounded. Where where whereas the first Avenger was more fantastical, this one was a little bit more grounded. It wasn't it wasn't as much superheroics as it was. I mean, he's super super soldier, but it's not as fantastic like the red skull and all stuff like that they kind of kept it on a like a grounded level yeah as as grounded as you could be for a marvel movie so do you sorry just to clarify do you mean the film heat yes the move to film yeah 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 i got excited i was like yeah wow i love that film i haven't watched that for so long but i remember watching it as a kid it was awesome um yeah that makes a lot of sense actually yeah i didn't know that that's awesome um yeah, I mean, I don't really have too much else to say about Winter Soldier because I think I've got probably more to say about the next one. But um, is there anything else that kind of needs expanding? No, nah, because or? because because a lot of this stuff is going to be expanded. Yeah, it's a lead up, isn't it? Captain yeah. America movie. Yeah, yeah. yeah. Um, so the next one is not Captain America. The next one is Avengers: Age of Ultron, aka 
the top, the topic that Rashad tweets about more than anything in. The- <laughs> you know, yeah. listen, we've we've it, like America has elected Donald Trump, yet somehow, yeah, Rashad tweets more about Age of Ultron than, <laughs> than Donald Trump. It's amazing. Yeah, I think fucking predict- it's yeah, just predicted Donald Trump. That's why. <laughs> <laughs> Josh Wheaton was trying to warn everybody, but they didn't listen. But because because here's what happened. Okay, I, I get a little aside before we go into Rashi. What your 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 first thoughts on it? Okay, I kind of have a because I feel like I feel like what happened with Age of Ultron was there's a couple of things that happened with Age of Ultron. There's there, there's this whole backstory with um with uh Kevin Feige and the the owner of Marvel's duty the owner of Marvel overall the guy who owns like the studio the um the comics. The TV shows and the movies. This guy named Perlmutter, like they kind of had like a like he was a. It was kind of just weird civil war going on with those two, until very recently that Kevin Feige went to um, Bob Iger, which is one of the CEOs of um, yeah Disney. Disney. Yeah, yeah, yeah. And he was telling him basically he was like, if you want me to, if you want these movies to continue to stay successful, I need to, I need you to get this guy off my back because Ike Perlmutter was known for being like super cost conscious and just like like stagnating certain stories and stuff like that because he wanted to be a certain way. Like he like he was the guy that didn't want like female action figures because he think they didn't he wouldn't they wouldn't sell and stuff like that. It was like very thick things that Feige was trying to be more progressive with, like Ike Perlmutter kind of like held it back, and Age of Ultron was where it like it all hit the uh, it's like it all hit the shit basically pretty much because that was like a pretty ambitious movie and like it was like a from what I understand it was like a fight nearly every day to kind of get certain things in there basically like for example. Like, Joss Whedon had to fight for the whole farm scene for the movie. They wanted to cut the whole farm scene out, which is crazy in hindsight. Like, they wanted to, like, just get to the action, keep going, blah, 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 like that. Where Joss Whedon kind of had, like, a... Well, we'll get into the discussion when we talk about what you thought about it. It's like, he had he was, he was had more ambition than just to make another Avengers movie. Where the first Avengers was like that, rollicking, here's a good time kind of movie. Mm. Like, this one was like, okay, let's really get into these characters' heads and let's deepen it up and make it more three-dimensional than what they normally were. Because I believe this is the movie that, when all is said and done, when people get over the base stuff, because a lot of people wanted this to be another Avengers movie, like just give just give us the same feeling that that movie gave you, and he had no interest in giving you that that feeling. And I think that that kind of hurt it initially, and that's why some of the lower, from from, from the people who are like super, ah, there's a, there was a weird there's a weird group of people, but we'll talk about that later. But um, it just seemed like people wanted a, the same feeling they got from the first Avengers. And they didn't get it, which is crazy because this movie only made like one million less than the uh, than the first Avengers. But people called it a failure because it didn't make more than the first Avengers, which is ridiculous. When one movie makes one point five and one another one makes one point four, like, are you kidding me? <laughs> you call that a failure? Are you kidding me? So, um, so I just want to get your uh, initial thoughts about this before we jump into it. Yeah, this is the one when I, obviously, like you know, I was sort of jesting with you before that you've talked about this a lot but then I, when I once i as soon as i well, no probably halfway through watching it because i was watching it at home i think i messaged you i was like i finally see why you go on about this film so much because halfway through i was like shit this is amazing this is really really good and and then when it finished i was just like wow <laughs> you know and i think this is the one for me that that's triggered finally realizing how special this whole thing is and 
um, but you're right. Like, I mean, to be honest, if I'd watched, so I watched the first Avengers one in the cinema and I was like, yes, this is rollicking good fun. There are a lot of kind of gif worthy moments and stuff like that, but it, it, the film has not stayed with me. I can't tell you what the fuck that was about. And I watched it in the cinema. So I, I literally don't know. Was this, this was one, I guess for me that I, I, I'm glad that I did watch it at home actually, because it gave me the time to digest it properly and kind of pause and um, kind of rewind little bits and be like, okay, fine, shit, whoa, what just happened there, blah, blah, blah. And um, it, it was a lot more interesting that way because there's just so much going on. There's probably like, I'm, I'm sorry, but there's got to be at least 10 times as much stuff going on in this film as the others of it, other Avenger film. Um, it's got to be. It's just so intricate. There's so many different characters coming in, so many new elements and... It, it's something really special, this film. And I can tell, I, I looked on like, I think it was on Metacritic or something like that, or, or Rotten Tomatoes I looked. And like the approval rating was like, what, in the 70s or something like that? That's like, yeah. I was like, you know, Doctor Strange has got an approval rating of 96%. <laughs> and and I was like, this film's like, I'm not going to say, yes. it's not, I'm not going to say better, but Doctor Strange is like an introductory film. This one, yes. this one is so incredible on so many levels. Not so even, even just on yeah. a base. Yeah, there's so much heart. There's so many great fight scenes in it. So many plot lines are tied together, and then loads of other elements are brought in, like a backlash to the stuff. It's just oh, amazing. God. Yeah. Let me ask you a question. When you when you see that when you see this movie, do you see somebody who is Josh Whedon wrote and directed it? You see somebody who took, took that movie seriously. Even though it's a comic book movie, you see somebody who cared about what they were doing. Yeah, without a doubt, movie. without a doubt. <laughs> Not just someone, someone like an expert has taken that seriously, but also someone who has like the sensibilities of balancing commercial appeal with critical appeal and, you know, like the lay person with, for fuck's sake, it's got to be good for lay people if it's pulling in 1.4 billion at the box office. <laughs> yeah, you can't, I'm sorry, but you can't get 1.4 billion in at the box office. <laughs> Yeah, without people enjoying it. I mean, for God's sake. Hey, sometimes, I, sometimes I think the social media echo chamber is too loud. Because I think, I think that, cause my theory is this: I think the majority of people enjoyed the movie, and moved on with their lives. But then I think there's this echo chamber sometimes on social media where it's a lot louder than what you think it is. It's so loud that sometimes people think that's the majority when it's not. Because most people don't really go on Metacritic and make these reviews or um, go on social media and say all the stuff. Like I think it's like maybe like two percent of the population is on Twitter. Maybe if that or something like that. Yeah, not a lot so, of people. Not a lot of people. Yeah. So sometimes it seems like it's a lot louder than what it is. That's another problem with Twitter. Like sometimes it's like the perspective is skewed. But um, cause it's like it's like such a it's, it's like such an echo chamber that we, we 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 people who are always on Twitter go out into the real world and find out people don't know what the hell all this stuff is about. But um, so let's get back to your your first initial your first thoughts about that movie. Yeah. Um. So. What, or what, what stood out for you? Or what stood out for you? What stood out for me was the set piece at the end with the fucking thing floating in there. What is it? It's basically a city floating in the air. Sokovia, isn't it? yeah, Sokovia. Yeah, and um, sorry, I'm, I'm using very technical terms. Um, I thought the the vibranium thing was interesting. Um, I really liked the twins characters. I thought they were excellent, especially how they go from baddies to goodies. And um, okay. Ultron, so Ultron himself, I thought was a very interesting premise. I can totally see why people might not have thought, okay, we've got an iconic villain here, um, because it was. I I don't think if you're looking at like an iconic villain like the Joker or something like that, like Heath Ledger did, then this is complete opposite of that. It's complete opposite. It's more of an ideology that can get transported into different kind of um, different 
what's the word hosts basically so that that and if you think about the modern world you know you look at someone like isis or whatever like that that's what they're doing it's you haven't just got one fit one evil dude in isis yeah there's no bin laden in isis they don't have that they what they're able to do is transport their ideology to different areas of the world into different people bring it back and then kind of look and and that's that's what's interesting about this about the, the whole ultron thing um what, what else was great about this um the fire oh christ the fight scene in the forest was incredible um sorry when you said the farm scene before what, what were you talking about because that's the scene where they go to hawkeye's house when they go to Hawkeye, like they yeah, to- oh, so, yeah. When when like it's just yeah, yeah. That was it. I think I told. I think that's what I said last week to you when I was talking about it. Um, so when they set it all up, that they go to that to Jeremy, Jeremy Renner's house, and you meet the wife, you meet the kids, blah blah blah, and then later on in the sort of final end scene he goes back for the little kid, blah blah blah. You're like, oh for God's sake, he's gonna die. And and I was I was actually pissed off. I was like come on, this is such a ridiculous setup, such a ridiculous setup that you just, you know, kind of drain every single emotional drop and it's just such an obvious thing. And then the other dude came in and got killed. I was like, yes. <laughs> I was like, yes, that died. And, and that, that, that really caught me by surprise, actually, in a beautiful way because I was like, yeah, that's, that's brilliant filmmaking. I have to say it's brilliant. Film. I, didn't, I just didn't see it coming. You know? um, I, I fell for the line. So uh, fair enough. You know, they got me. That was brilliant. Um, yeah, yeah, the, you're right. The farm scene was great, and um, but but that's the, that's the space that you need in order to make the other bits more special. You can't just have like two hours of thump 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 fight 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 <laughs> because otherwise, what's you know there, there is a point I have to admit when throughout all of these films when it's just kind of like fight 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 and you like I zone out a little bit. There's only so much because I'm not watching Bruce Lee. I'm watching CGI, you know, and, and, and that's the thing. Like for all the, the vast majority of it is probably CGI or at least enhanced. And um, you need those elements of space of kind of more grounded in reality bits to bring you back to normal in order to give heart to it. Because that's the reason why they're fighting. They're, they're not fighting just, you know, to be sort of, you know, rule the universe and stuff. No, they're doing it to protect actual human beings who they love and stuff, you know. Um, I think that's the great thing. I don't know. There's so much There's so much brilliance about this film that it doesn't surprise me why a lot of people didn't get it. I mean, luckily, I'm completely removed from the whole Twitter echo chamber thing you're talking about with... Um, the Marvel Universe somehow the only exposure I get to it is basically through you and through um, through another guy that I follow who's an amazing film critic uh, Leslie Byron Pitt he's the only other guy it's basically you two and that's it so I don't I'm all that shit is filtered that's me. good that's good yeah it is it is good because then I've been able to go into these with a very fresh view with your own with your own opinion yeah, yeah. Um, so when I watched this I wasn't kind of like oh yes this, this should have been different blah 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 no this, it was just a brilliant film I thought it was absolutely brilliant <clears throat> What do you think about the dreams? What do you think about the uh, the the, mem- the the sequences that Scarlet Witch put in their their memories, in a sense, like those visions they had? Like- yeah, 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 yeah. Um, the one I really loved was hilarious. It was when Thor was kind of, Thor was like, "Yes, these humans are weak. I don't have that. And he wanders into this kind of party scene." Yeah, that was fantastic. Um, very, very interesting. What's the name? Wanda? Is it Wanda? Wanda, yeah, Wanda Maximoff, yeah. aka Scar- Scarlet Witch, yeah, yeah. So, uh, I thought I thought she was fantastic because the other dude's just really quick, and then he was hilarious because he was quite arrogant with his speed, and then ends up getting fucked. And then, um, but Wanda was the really interesting one. I was kind of like, yeah, that, I could see they could do a lot, but also because there's a lot of she really feels things. She feels really guilty about shit, basically, which some you know 
someone like Tony Stark generally doesn't give two shits until I saw the, the <laughs> Civil War thing when suddenly it starts affecting him. Um, Let me ask you a question. Go on. What do you think about Tony Stark in this movie? In in this film, he's just really more of a supporting character, to be honest. Um, from from what I got, like I think in he's he's a really central part of uh, Captain America's Civil War. Um, in this one, it's more kind of like he's more of a kind of route through to Jarvis coming about, pretty much. That's what I thought. So so Jarvis turns into uh, Vision, right? So. But obviously, that like I, I didn't have any idea that was going to happen. Um, so, so I was kind of like looking back on it. I was like, oh "My God, really, Jarvis? Really?" It's like it's just. <laughs> and then thinking back to all the Iron Man films and stuff, I just didn't see that coming at all. Yeah, and, and it was very clever. Um, like I don't, I don't think um, Vision made the best kind of first impression in terms of I don't think he looks like someone I'm attracted to in terms of watching his own individual film. Um, mm-hmm. But then that could always change, you know. Um, you just, you just so, you, so you're not a vision guy because most because most people tend to be a vision guy. It's it's not that I'm not a vision guy. It's just that I really liked Jarvis before, and then now seeing the kind of physical manifestation of him, I'm not kind of like wowed in the way that some of the other ones have wowed me. So um, you don't like the way he looks. Not particularly, but then when I was watching Civil War, I was kind of like, yeah, he's fine, but he just doesn't, he hasn't done that much cool shit, really. So I'm sure this will all come in the future. And and I, I know I'm setting my bar very high for cool shit, but like walking through walls is not really cool shit, you know. It's like when, when he's... <laughs> or, or, or picking up th- picking up Thor's hammer is not cool shit? Yeah, that was cool. Yeah, but that was cool. But that was that was a blink and you miss it moment. That was a real. That was one of those ones where I was glad I was watching it at home because then I paused it. I was like, did I just see what I thought I see? And then I rewound it like ten seconds. Like, oh shit! Like that. Whereas if I was in the cinema, I might have been like, yeah. So that was that was the benefit of watching it at home. Um, what else was great? The whole like Infinity Stones thing. You know, for me, that's more of the sort of thing that will come in the future retrospectively. Um, was that in Doctor Strange as well, or should I not talk yeah. about that right now? Oh no, you could throw anything in there. Get this it was, it was that that was a, like a central part of Doctor Strange as well. Yeah, yeah. Um, I, I'm sure we'll come to that at some point in a, in a different podcast. Oh yeah, but... in two years, yeah, it'll be there. Yeah, <laughs> um, yeah. yeah, but that, that was pretty much like m- most of what I really liked about this film. Um, yeah, I, I also kind of thought the I don't know if I missed it, but when did the Incredible Hulk and uh, Scarlett Johansson become an item. Like, is- well, you have to kind of pay. It kind of happens off screen, but if if you pay attention to certain scenes in um in uh the first Avengers, like it's it's kind it's, it's kind of like a Beauty and the Beast kind of thing, right there. Because they talk about the, they talk about having kids, right, in this movie, right, and they can't. Neither one of them have kids. And then if you watch a scene when she first meets Bruce Banner, this is where this is where this is where the part where the Marvel thing is going to go over people's heads. The first scene when they meet each other in um, the first Avengers movie, they're in like India somewhere, and uh, she's trying to pull him in. And as she's talking to him, and he's talking about that he can't have something, he rocks the uh, he rocks the uh, little cradle or something like that, in a sense. And it's kind of like that sense where like when the girl's scared of a guy at first, and they kind of connect because they can't kind of relate because she's a monster. Like the whole entire thing, like if you listen to how many times people say monster in this in this uh, in this movie, like everybody's calling himself a monster. Like everybody is like, I can go into my part right now. So, um, so before I get into it, like the way I read this movie is a lot of it. There's a lot of subtext going on because uh, Joss Whedon said at a point where if you watch the beginning of the movie, 
and you see where uh, Tony Stark has that uh, that first vision of like the Avengers dead and alien forces are coming to Earth, and you look down and the camera pans down, the pans down, the pans down, and it's, and you see Captain America's shield and it's ripped a certain way. If you watch later on when Scarlet Witch rips out Ultron's heart, it's the same exact rip that Captain America's shield has, in a sense. And if you kind of go back to where um, when you first see Ultron, and Ultron has the Avengers symbol on his chest while he's talking to them, he's basically their id, in a sense, right there. Like, he's basically all their fears come to life, their weakness. Because John Sweeten always said he's like, he always, as, a, as much of a comic book fan as he is, He's always had a problem with the childishness of how superheroes solve their problems, in a sense. And he's kind of making, use Ultron to make a commentary about, okay, you do all the superhero shit and you want to save the world, but at the same time you're causing all this damage and destruction where is it really helping anybody at this point? It's kind of childish in a way. So when Scarlet Witch says to um, uh, Captain America later on in the movie, it was like, um, Ultron can't tell the difference between saving the world and destroying it. Where do you think he gets it from? And it goes back to Tony Stark, where it's like that, mm. that childish... That childish ideal of like that superheroes, where it's like you do more damage than good in a sense. And if and if you look at the way the movie works, where how Avengers come across as like U.S. occupiers, even when you go to Sokovia, and you see like the way the spray paint, and you see like the Avengers and the dollar signs, like that 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 very image where you see like other countries where they have like when they do the spray paint, and it's kind of like the Americans, kind of like that thing they're all about catching like that. And even going back to the story of um. Of when uh, Quicksilver tells Ultron about what happened to uh, Scarlet Witch and his parents, and then um, he says, "I know what they are." Going back to that thing where like the, the quote unquote good guys who do more harm than good go into these different countries and do damage, and then they walk away, and then they leave these people who they who, who supposedly they were saving, they leave them fucked with the uh, situation right there. So it's a lot of that stuff going on. And if you take it back to Ultron with that rip in his heart. And you go back to that, Amer- that that Captain America shield being ripped. It's kind of going back to that point in a sense, right there. It's kind of like him being very critical of like that hypocrisy of a sense, like we're the good guys, but you're kind of doing more damage than good if you really want to think about it. Yeah, and and can I ask a really dumb question? When does um, sure. when does the Black Widow, um, when does Scarlett Johansson dump all that stuff on the internet? That's not in this film, isn't it? Do you remember? No, no, she dumped it. She dumped it. She dumped it in uh, Captain America. Uh, she Winter Soldier. Yeah, that's it. So, so yeah, 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 because that I found was really interesting. Sorry, jumping back to Winter Soldier, that was really oh, yeah. interesting when she dumps the, like does like a whole WikiLeaks kind of shit, right? There you go. Yes. Yeah, and I was like, and, and at the time I was kind of like, okay, nothing's being made of this, but I was like, damn, that's going to be big in the future, surely. Yeah. So it didn't come about in this film, but it comes about in the next film, right? So in terms of this film, I think this was, I think this was a really great balance of kind of all the action and stuff like that, but, but introducing so many different plot lines, tying up a few other ones and stuff like that, introducing new characters. There's a lot of new characters. I mean, you know, you've got the twins, you've got um, Jarvis morphing into Vision, um, and, and then other ones start gaining prominence like Kobe Smulders and stuff like that. Um, yeah, like, I don't know. I think it's just a brilliant film. I can see why people didn't like elements of it. Don't get me wrong. I can absolutely understand that. But I think you have to be a certain, you have to be of a certain mindset to enjoy this film. Maybe that's that's what I'm saying. And and it kind of appealed to someone like me definitely. Um, All right. Yeah. So I mean, we like the more stuff I have to say about it, we can go into the uh, the Civil War discussion. So we can just jump right into that one right there. So um, so so the movie ends with basically um. Ultron and the Vision talking in the forest. 
and ultra and, and the vision's point of view is is that of humanity is okay. They both come to the conclusion that humanity's doomed. But the, from where where Ultron is kind of like just just start from just 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 wipe them all out and start from scratch. The vision goes okay. They're doomed, but you got to at least appreciate that they're trying, even though they're going to fail in the end. They're giving them that shot. And it's kind of sense, and it kind of goes back to that thing that Josh Sweet's trying to say. It's like okay. The, and even and even um, Nick Fury says at the end, he was like, no matter what happened, there's always going to be trouble. That cycle's always going to repeat itself. Ultron is trying to stop that cycle, trying to like just wipe it out and just like save it, period. And he doesn't understand why people aren't getting it. Like when he said the Scarlet Witch for me, he's like, um, he's like, like he, there's many moments where Ultron is a sad person. He's like I don't understand why they don't get it. Because like, I don't understand why you guys are trying to pre- preserve a status quo that is fucked. He was like, why? Like, then what are you really saving in this sense? Whereas Vision is kind of like, okay, I agree with you that the status quo is fucked. But at least within that status quo, people are trying. Even though it may not get them very far. Like, you have to find the beauty in them, at least given the attempt to try to be better people. In a sense, right there. So, um... But that comes to bite the Avengers back in the ass, in a sense. Because going back to what we're talking about with the whole entire thing of how Imperial forces kind of affect, like, people in other countries... That plays a big part in what the villain does in um, Civil War, which you're going into at this point right there. So um, I want to see your opinion on it, like a couple of opinions on Civil War before we start about that. Yes, yeah, so the beginning of this film is hilarious because I was sat there watching it, and I'm not I, I'm not going to lie, right? The first kind of, what, 15, 20 minutes, they start blowing shit up, blah, 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 blah in a foreign country. And I, I was honest, honest to God, I was sat there thinking, fuck's sake, this is more just Hollywood, America, blowing shit up, violence, blah, 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 you know, this kind of thing. And, and it's hilarious because I was clearly set up that, like to fall for it and again. <laughs> yeah, it was just genius. That is the element of genius filmmaking where you're kind of like, you, you, you're guiding the, the viewer by the hand and they have no idea. They're just feeling their natural emotions of exasperation about America. And like I said at the beginning of this podcast, I was kind of like, oh God, this is just turning into kind of Team America. America, fuck yeah. And it's like, and that's exactly what it was supposed to be in order to introduce yes. the rest of the film. And it is just genius, absolute genius. You know, it's one of these things that I might not like it, but I respect the fuck out of it, basically. And, so so there was that that was the initial element and then it goes into the whole kind of you know signing a treaty and stuff what is it the accord yeah the sokovia accords and and the un and stuff like that comes in and Mm -hmm. it's fascinating absolutely fascinating and also i really love daniel uh daniel brule Uh, i don't know if you've seen any of his other films oh yeah i love him he's a great actor yeah so he's in what inglorious bastards yes Uh, he killed it in that one yeah and he's also in a film called rush um, I don't know if you've seen Rush. So it's about like I didn't see that one. Yeah, I heard it was good. Yeah, it's it's he is incredible. So it's based on 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 real life story of a couple of Formula One drivers, and he is okay. incredible in that. He's one of the lead two guys, and um, so those are the, the two kind of big films of his. I've I've have seen him in a couple of other films as well, but uh-huh. but yeah, in this I thought he he had quite a restrained role in this, but I thought he was just excellent. Yeah. He was exactly what you needed. He was kind of because quite- it paid off. Because it paid off. Because it, it fit the theme basically. Yeah, and he's not some. Super Superhero. He doesn't have metal bits and stuff, and like you know, flying around, blah blah blah. No, he's just a a dude that's setting up like this chess game. Well, not chess game, like more like a game of dominoes sort of thing. Yeah, not not a game of. I'm not explaining it well, but you know what I mean. He's setting up everything so that he can kind of turn it's like, everyone it's like on themselves, macro, yeah. basically. It's like it's like he's adapting to. He has a goal, and then there's a macro situation. There's things beyond his control, but he adapts himself to what's going on outside. Like he can't control everything. 
but he, he kind of like looks at where he's looking at where the cards are at and then he plays his hand accordingly yeah which is which is exactly what you said about chancellor palpatine in the prequel <laughs> that's exactly those are exactly your words you're just recycling you know rush you're recycling old material <laughs> No, I'm joking. Um, but yeah, that's exactly what he does, right? So, um, so I don't know. And it goes back. And it goes back to that theme you were talking about, how you said you got frustrated at the beginning with the boom, bam, bam, bam stuff. Like they addressed that pretty much with his character. Yeah, like, they absolutely do. Well, not, yeah, not just him, but also so the Alfred Waters character. Yeah, with Tony Stark's. So when he does that, uh, Tony Stark. Sorry, when he does that, um, that opening thing at MIT or wherever it is. Yeah. Uh, that was awesome, by the way. That was fantastic. Uh, I haven't read more about it because I literally finished watching it this morning. But um, and then he meets that that black lady in the the corridor, and she's like, you know, you, you, my son is dead because of you, Charlie Spencer or whatever his name is. Blah 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 blah. Uh, I don't know. Does he come back, or is that just a genuine kind of innocent? Yeah, that was innocent. That's, that's nothing like sinister about that. There's, he's not going to come back as some sort of superhero or some shit, basically. Oh no! All right, no, fine. It, so it's, it's just an, it's for, for, okay. So this is the point. For once, is actually some good innocent kid who just dies in you know who dies needlessly almost you know and and that starts eating away at at, um at tony stark you know and and then that manifests itself later on in the film and although i think although i think maybe they got there a little bit quickly within the confines of this film i think if you if you factor in the rest of the films then you can understand that you can understand why this kind of you know quote-unquote civil war happens in the first place um, and this is where yeah I'm sorry go ahead yeah no I mean that that that's I, I think you know when you again you can kind of look at it as I'm the layperson here and so for you you're going to know the, the, the wider universe better and appreciate it more but as a layperson you know I'm uh, like it's hilarious how, how much I got played like watching these films sometimes and just my emotions how they were toyed with and then later I was like just have egg on my face basically um, but uh, but I don't mind that because that's genius that's genius of, the, of whoever's making these films basically this is the point where Marvel, this is the movie where even the, the reviewers were saying this. It's like, because they were saying, the, the, not the reviewers, the, uh, the creators were saying this. It's like, at this point, the way we built up these movies, we're going to, we're, we have to accept at this point. Because I think that, here's the thing with Marvel, they're so confident they got a huge fan base that they go, we can afford to lose people at this point now because our fan base is so huge. It's like, because this movie, like this movie right here was reward. Or like if you if you go and see the movie as a layperson, you can generally enjoy it. You can generally generally enjoy it, but there's gonna be some plot points that go over your head. However, the the experiment that they're pulling, the, the experiment that they're doing right now with with this thing, and they're teaching p- certain people how to watch movies in a different way, is kind of like okay, now this is where we're gonna get more ambitious. Than Ultron was a start, and like this is where we're gonna get super ambitious with these things because the next two Avengers movies, oh my god, we can talk about that later. But for now. They're kind of like, listen, it's like, okay, now we got all these, we have all these chips in place. Now, if you watch Tony Stark from Iron Man 1 up until now, everything that he did in those movies, if you watch those movies, makes the choice that he make the choices that he makes in the movie make perfect sense. If you follow all the stuff that Captain America did in all the movies up to this point, it makes perfect sense. And they were like, they went through each and every character in that movie for different reasons. Like every character had to have a purpose to why they were doing what they were doing and why each person was on each person's team. And which person is ideology. Going even going to Black Panther, like even Black Panther, where he's has no interest in either one of those groups. His only goal is he has a certain goal to go after Bucky, because Bucky killed his father. So they kind of balance it out. So you have Team Cat, you have Team Iron Man, and then you have somebody who's involved in it who has an important part, but he has no interest in either one of those people or what their goals are. His only goal is to get revenge on his kind of 
situation. And then that revenge theme kind of plays out because Black Panther turns out to be the, uh, the second character that's most that thematically is most important to it. Whereas, like, he had to see what Zemo turned out to be, and he looked at how the Avengers were, and he found another way out. He's kind of like the he's kind of like that he's kind of like the person who's not a, not an American who has a good look at America mm. and sees the bullshit. Mm. <laughs> that is really well put. <laughs> I, I, I was gonna be I was gonna be far less diplomatic about it. <laughs> <laughs> Uh-huh. And also, I think if you talk about Black Panther, because you've you mentioned it before about how excited you are about it, because, um, I mean, most of the listeners probably, you know, have no idea, but we did a couple of kind of test podcasts leading up to when we actually, before we released it officially, and uh, we did one on Creed and another on Fruitvale Station, and the director of both of those is Ryan Coogler, and um, and Ryan Coogler is directing Black Panther, which will release at the beginning of um, 2018, and and that guy is an incredible director, <laughs> incredible. So, uh-huh. Uh-huh. you know, if you're talking about what that film could be, um, that could be something really special. Um, because, because this was a great introduction for for um, the Black Panther. I mean, this was a fucking good introduction. This film, um, you know, and I think the only the only thing I'd say about this film is it's kind of like I'm not really quite. Uh, why do they even tag it with Captain America? I'm not quite sure what the point was calling it Captain America's Civil War because Captain America's not really the central character of this film um, it, it, in a lot of ways. In a lot of ways? Yeah, I don't think he is. Not, I mean, you, you, you don't think he's the one that drives the divide because of Bucky? Like everything he does in that the reason why the Avengers are torn apart because he put one man over the rest of the world. Pretty much. Yeah, that's that fair enough. But there's happened. a lot of other interesting shit going on. That's the point. Is that? Oh yeah. Is but, that there's there's that so is- much other stuff going on that like even as a percentage wise of what is actually you know, what Captain America is his involvement in this film in terms of meaningful involvement, not just kind of like the the bish, bish bash bosh stuff. Then yeah. you, you know I I don't know. There's a lot. I would make the argument. I would make the argument that he's the leader of Avengers because whatever choice he makes is going to affect the Avengers. So it's it's kind of like a domino effect. It's like he's the guy. Remember, because his whole through line is Bucky at this point, and his and his basic with Bucky is what causes the split that causes everybody to pick everybody's side. So it's kind of like his choice, his choice kind of affected everybody going down underneath him. It's kind of like okay, it's going back. It's kind of like how 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 Obama ran America and how Trump's going to run America. That the choices that that person makes affects everybody else. So in a sense, that person is the main character because if that person didn't make that specific choice, then none of that stuff would have happened. In a sense. If he would have stopped, if he, if Captain America just signed the accords and just went along with everything else, then none of those people would have been involved in that stuff. He made a very selfish choice to go against them, even though he had some good reasons about the whole Hydra and and Seal thing. He has a mistrust of uh of um of institutions over individuals in a sense like that. That was his whole argument. He was like he just lost faith in all these big bodies in a sense. So he didn't trust the UN. He didn't trust Shield. He didn't trust Hydra. I mean, he didn't trust anything like that. So, in a sense, if he never made that choice, then all these people wouldn't have been affected by it. And by that one choice that he made, is that the rest of the crew kind of had it. Because at this point, Captain America is not a singular person anymore. He's responsible for this whole group of people. Going back to what, um, going back to that scene at the table where the, uh, the United States uh, Secretary of State comes in there and starts talking about that, and he basically like rejects the UN. Even Rhodey, who's like a military guy, he was like, okay, the UN says fall in line, you got to fall in line. Who is Captain America to say that he doesn't need to go against that? Even though he's trying to make the argument, the argument of 
if 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 the UN tells us to go a certain spot and we're supposed to be over here, or the UN has bad intentions and they tell us to go there, then what can we do? It's like that. It's, it's like where does the line get crossed between individual liberty with the greater good in a sense? Which is such beautiful American justification for everything that America does in the whole fucking world. <laughs> That's the most typical kind of, I'm not having a go at you, but I'm having, you know, this is the most typical form of American imperialization that there is. Uh-huh. Yeah, let's distrust the 117 other countries. Yeah, what if they're wrong? Yeah, what if us with our history of warmongering every two years, um, uh-huh. what if, if, if they're wrong, the other ones? Yeah. <laughs> So, so, I was, so I assume you're Team Iron Man this whole movie, guess. <laughs> so you're with Iron no, Man. No, 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 no. I'm not. I'm not Team either of them. But I did. I actually no. Okay, listen. If you put like a you know phase blaster to my head, then I'm probably Team Iron Man. Yeah, I, pro- I probably am. But then on the same token, you know, you got people trying to fuck shit up, and you got evil bad guys everywhere. Um, but you know that one of the interesting points was when Vision was saying you know is the what's the causality here is it because we're powerful that people are trying to keep fuck us up which is you know but is it but the fascinating thing i was kind of like yeah okay fine but then under obama's presidency you motherfuckers haven't gone and invaded other countries really okay you've done shit on the low key don't get me wrong absolutely yeah <laughs> but there have been no like no kind of you know it, obama's managed to suppress things really yeah. well yeah really yeah. well um which, <laughs> Trump's not gonna do that. Oh my god! Let's not talk about Trump, right? Let's keep, let's keep going back to here. I want to be happy again. Okay. Right. We'll, 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 we can say that to the end of the thing. Okay. All right, but yeah, I know what you're saying. I know what you're saying. Yeah. Yeah. So, so if you, you know, I remember what you said to me, like. Okay, when you watch Civil War, look at it as a prism of what you think America is in, in that respect, you know, politically yes. and, and through a military sense and stuff like that. So I think Captain America is supposed to represent the military. Um, Iron Man's supposed to represent uh, kind of more of the modern world, I guess. Uh, and well, those are complete gross simplifications because you've also got the Bucky story, blah, 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 blah. But I think if you look yeah, at it as yeah, those, yeah. Two, those two ideologies... It's more, complicated. it's more complicated than what we're just talking about. It's more complicated on a personal level, but on an ideological level, I think it's pretty simple that Captain America is a soldier. Yeah, Iron Man is, um, you know, a billionaire tech guy. Um, so... If you look, you know, if you look at it right now, just look at the military versus Silicon Valley, and and that there's a civil war brewing between those guys. You know, the, the military was kind of like, well, look, you know, if, you, if you're going to build all this good shit, we need to have. <laughs> when I was watching Elon Musk's uh, SpaceX thing about when he he's talking explicitly about how he wants to start sending uh, missions to Mars and stuff like that. Now they did a Q and A afterwards, which was hilarious, and basically there was this Russian girl who sorry a young russian lady who is was like a physicist and stuff and she was like you know why can't i get a job for you and he was like yeah it's messed up but the but the the, you know the secret service the military everyone in the u.s they won't let us uh, they won't even let us employ non-americans at spacex they just won't let us do it and elon musk isn't even american yeah, he's, he's South African via Canada and then into America. So he's like, I know it's absurd, but these are the rules that we've been given. So if you're talking about that kind of battle between Silicon Valley, which is exactly what Musk is, what Iron Man is, again, I, you know, I take it back to that, versus the military. Captain America is obviously the military, and he has that. He, in, he has those tendencies in this film. He is pretty simple about it. He's like, you know, this is exactly the kind of shit the military would say. And obviously, Captain America is more nuanced about it because he has certain things and we, we are privy to his character development but on a but otherwise he is basically the military and that's the interesting thing 
So I'm answer a question. Who was the bigger hypocrite? Tony or, or Steve? Or you? Who did you find to be the bigger hypocrite? Or did you have that, even have that opinion? I'd probably say Steve, but then as with America, they, there's always some convenient justification for it. <laughs> there's always a bad guy that America manages to dig out, stroke, create in the long term um, that, that saves the day and enables the like military an Iron, to like, do like it. An Iron Man, like, like an Iron Man 3 with the, with the Mandarin? <laughs> how they, how they, how they man, yeah. uh, manufacture a billion? Yeah. Yeah. That's what I'm trying to say, man. I'm trying to let you know. <laughs> yeah, but I mean, the, the, the reality is that, you know, the reality is that reality is worse than these films. Put it that way. Oh, yeah, yeah. Mm-hmm. You know, America is great at doing all this shit. And they learned it from the Brits. The British fucking invented this shit, the divide and rule thing. Oh, yeah. Oh, yeah. So, yeah, yeah. Y- you know, yeah. So, um, <laughs> I don't know. Like this film, they could have just called it Divide and Rule, Civil War. Um, and, and I would have been like, yeah, that's fine. But, uh, okay, I get, what you, I get what you're saying. I think you justified it, to be honest. Um, so, what else did you like about this film? Oh, uh, let's see. Um, oh, we haven't talked about... The, what do you think about the airport sequence? So, what? You mean in terms of the main giant fight scene? I thought that was that was really good, but... For me, it was slightly undermined because there were too many knowing winks and there were kind of like laughs between characters and stuff. It was all like, yeah, we're just fighting now, but in 10 minutes we'll be getting pizza together kind of thing. So it's kind of like that undermined the importance of it a little bit. What I did love, I love that Ant-Man was there, actually. I think that really helped um, because the, I, I have I have seen Ant-Man and I actually I enjoyed that film. I think, that's, I think Ant-Man's going to be more of a central role to the whole... Um, all of the phases because I think that's going to be a really essential element of comedy that, that was needed. And it was good to see him in this. Um, the Spider-Man thing, I'm going to be honest, I'm going to need your help with this because I'm like, hang on, isn't he from like the other universe of shit? No, he's not. No, he's not. No, they scrapped all that. So hang on. Cause you gotta remember, I'll explain something to you. Okay. Those Spider-Man movies have nothing to do with these Marvel. Okay. I, 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 I'll clear it up. Okay, so back in the day, Marvel was going bankrupt, and they had they had, they had to start sell, selling characters to because of their bankruptcy. So they sold the they sold the film rights of X Men to 20th Century Fox. Um, they sold uh, Spider Man rights to Sony and stuff like that. So when they started building stuff back up, they couldn't get the rights back or whatever like that. Okay. So the Tobey Maguire movies were all Sony, um, and the the two um, Andrew Garfield movies were all, were all Sony. So when Marvel Studios came out in 2008. The only move that basically they had the Iron Man, the Avengers movies, all the Avengers movies are there. And that's when they started their own studio with Iron Man. They took out like a 500,000, a $500 million loan to make that, to make that movie. And then that's when they started building up the Marvel studio. So the Spider-Man movies that were made have nothing to do with these Marvel studios movies. They were all Sony. So at some point, Sony started suffering with the, um, with the Spider-Man franchise because they weren't making that much money. And they were trying to, they were another group trying to compete with the Marvel studios because they saw how the Avengers were making money and they tried to do it on the Spider-Man universe. So Sony started getting the financial trouble, and Spider-Man wasn't the hit they thought it was going to be. So beyond closed doors, Marvel, Marvel Studios, and Sony talk, and Marvel Studios said, "Look, look at look at all the money we're making to all these guys like that. We'll make a deal with you. Um, the deal is this, okay? If you allow Spider-Man to be in our movies occasionally, then we'll 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 make Spider-Man movies for you, and you can reap all the money with it." You just pay us to make Spider-Man movies, and you reap all the benefits. So basically, those other two movies, the, the, the Tobey Maguire movies and the Andrew Garfield movies, they're just scrapped. 
And this one is basically Spider-Man in the Marvel Universe right here. So the, the Spider-Man movie coming out in the summertime, when you see that one with with with, uh, with Robert Downey Jr. is going to be in it too, and John Favreau is going to be in it, and Michael Keaton's playing the bad guy, that's the Spider-Man that's going to be in from from Marvel going forward. And those other two guys don't count anymore, basically. Wow, I didn't know any of that. <laughs> <laughs> no, that 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 was man. You should go into this like professionally. That was a brilliant description. Shit. Yeah. Okay. Um, well, I always follow the background stuff. Yeah. Yeah. Okay. Great. That clears it all up perfectly. I have no further questions, Your Honor. And um, <laughs> yeah, uh, that's it. Okay. Great. So um, there we go. I think Rashad's uh, unlocked the key to the Marvel universe. And uh, <laughs> in terms of yeah, in terms, in terms of like the what Captain America Civil War, I don't really have anything else to say other than I think it's it's kind of like. I think it's kind of like you've got an anti-villain in this, which is interesting because it's just a civilian. There's no nothing special about him. He can't fucking jump buildings and shit. The, sorry, you were saying about the airport battle scene before. Um, so like I said, yeah, I, I thought it was good, but I would caveat that with it was a little bit cheesy. And also there's no Hulk there as well. So it was kind of like, you know, that was a bit of a shame. Um, and then and then what? Don Cheadle's dude ends up getting fucked, which is quite interesting. Um because it it finally proves that there is you know there is a casualty of war within their own civil war oh, you know yeah because I was talking because I was with because I went to a special screening for the movie in New York where the directors were actually there taking cool Q and A cool and uh, people were asking why didn't anybody die in this movie because what's coming the next two Avengers movies is like almost like a two parter and it's basically going to be everybody you've ever seen in the Marvel movie basically like the Guardians of the Galaxy uh, the Avengers. And all new characters like Black Panther and Doctor Strange. And um, they're basically saying that the, the guy that's coming to Earth is going to be all hands on deck to take that guy out. Like, this is a guy that's, the guy that's coming to Earth in the next two Avengers movie is so powerful, he can go toe-to-toe with the Hulk easily. Easily. Toe-to-toe with the Hulk. So basically, they were, like, saying, like, when you want all these people you spent time with, with these last eight years to wind up dealing with that guy. Because when that guy comes, that's when the real casualties are coming up. Okay. So pretty much at, at, after the end of the second, after the end of the, for the lack of a better word, the fourth Avengers movie, because they're coming out back to back. The one is coming out in 2018, and the part two is coming out in 2019. And basically after that 2019 movie, is the whole universe is changed forever, basically. Like, it's this big jump that people are not going to see coming, pretty much right there. But they said they got to keep it fresh, basically. So the whole status quo is going to shake up when that guy comes to Earth. And it's going to take two movies to basically beat that dude, pretty much. So, um, so getting back to the casualty thing, so it kind of showed like this, basically the airport scene was like a like 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 a like like a family squabble before it got serious. Like there's like there's like once like that was just for like kind of like like in comic books there's always this thing where it's like you want to see who power set matches up against other's power set basically. Hmm. Like who would win in the fight if Captain America fought Spider Man? How would it go? If Iron Man fought Black Widow? How would this, you know what I'm saying? Like that kind of deal right there. So that was kind of like that that reward for seeing all that stuff right there. And then they said the moment that Rhodey gets hit, that's when a movie takes that serious turn. He was like, okay, this is the, this is going to be the last moment that the artist is going to have fun with these characters. And then once Rhodey gets his, his back shattered or whatever like that, that's when a movie takes that serious tone and all jokes stop. And then it goes into that, the, um, the revelation of what the Winter Soldier did to Tony Stark's parents, which is kind of like set up way back in um, Winter Soldier. If you paid attention and he kind of told you that the Winter Soldier assassinated his uh, parents back then. 
but they didn't pull the trigger until Winter Soldier. I mean, until Civil War, in a sense, right there. I didn't get that. So, in yeah, Win- if you watch really? that, how is that? When what part was that? In if, Winter you, Soldier? if you if you if you watch if you watch Winter Soldier and when the when Zola the 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 machine is laying in the backstory of how Hydra like took over everything like that, and he says a scene where the Winter Soldier comes in and starts assassinating people. And he was, and he was like, uh, he basically was talking about. And then when he says, when the soldier assassinated certain people to make sure that Hydra stayed on point, you see one shot of where he he supposedly got uh, Nick Fury, and then the next shot you see after that is um, Tony Stark's dad being and parents getting murdered. If you see like that, it's a one clipping when he says, "Yeah, he took out he did take out certain people," and you see those two shots of uh, Nick Fury, and then you see of Tony Stark's parents right there, pretty much. If you were like, if you just like looking and pay attention to it, okay, right there, okay, because because it, it kind of falls into place right there. In a sense. Wow. Same thing with going back when um when the guy talked about when he's talking about the kill list that that Hydra had, and then he throws out Stephen Strange's name out there earlier. In a sense. Ah, oh, no, I didn't get that either. Yeah. Yeah, like he was on the rooftop, the ball-headed dude, and he was like, "Oh, what was the the algorithm? The algorithm that Hydra had about like uh, killing thousands of people at a time that were to Hydra." And it was uh, Stephen Strange was named like, even before even before he even became the Mystic guy. Like he was such a prodigy, pr- prodigy that Hydra knew he was going to be a threat at some point mm. and try to wipe them out before it's too late. Interesting. Interesting. Those are the things. Those are the things that happen when you watch them a couple of times. But that stuff doesn't. If you watch if you watch the movies like one time, then a lot of it's going to go over your head. And it's like it's meant to go over your head because like they want you to focus on the plot at hand, but. If you want to be rewarded and go through there, you'll see these small little specs. Matter of fact, going back to Iron Man 2, if you look behind Tony Stark when he's talking to Nick's Fury, they have Wakanda, which is, which is Black Panther's country, like already set up back there. So they have things set up way beforehand that pay off later on right there. Like he was talking about there's things that are in the first Iron Man that won't get paid off until the next Avengers movie. But if you if you don't if you don't if you don't follow it, then it's no big deal. But if you do follow it, it's gonna be like, holy shit. Kind of thing like that, in a sense. So, um, all right. So, uh, getting back to the uh, Civil War movie, um, I just thought that this was this was this was a thing that <sighs> I haven't seen a payoff like this for a series since Revenge of the Sith. Where if you followed those those last five movies, Revenge of the Sith is like the ultimate payoff. And I felt like for for Marvel fans, if you actually followed these stories, like the minutia. Then this is a payoff. If you're like the average film goer, you see like the basic gist of it where Tony Stark and Iron Man had this disagreement, and then it's like some nuance here and there, but then it plays off. But it's also interesting stuff like going back to Iron Man, Iron Man three, where Tony Stark is has such a disregard for children that he actually he brought a teenager to a to a big ass fight. Where Tony Stark still has that he doesn't know where to draw the line in a sense. Like he literally like bought a kid to a damn fight with adults, and that kid could have got killed. But even when even Tony Stark in all his righteousness still is kind of off in a certain way. You know what I'm trying to say? It's like those things that Tony Stark constantly does. That he's he's aware of to a point, but he kind of doesn't see the full picture or what he's really doing. He has a goal, and he sees that there's stuff that he needs to get the goal. Same thing with Ultron. Like he didn't consider all the ramifications of making the AI like that, and then he fucks it up, and then he brings like a teenager into a fight with all these adults where his boy got his back broke. So imagine if that boy got killed in that fight. You know what I'm trying to say? Mm. What, what did you think about the actual end sequence? Like, well, the end fight between Captain America and Iron Man. I thought that it was it was a 
excellent payoff because in fact it goes back to going back to, to the American thing and it goes back to when Zemo says and a lot of people don't get what this line means when he goes when Zemo goes now that I'm now that I see you up close I see a lot of I see some green in your eyes nice to find a see, nice to see a flaw in a sense he's literally looking at the fucking Captain America's eyes mm. and says there's a lot of green in your eye and it's nice to find a flaw and he says empires don't fall from outside because they rebuild themselves back up. If you want to tear an empire down, you, you go within and let them tear themselves apart. Which is, if I'm going to bring my boy, with the election of, if the election of 2016 has taught us anything, is that Zemo, Zemo is correct on that one. If you want to see an empire crumble, then you just let them, you, 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 you let them tear themselves apart, which is what's going on right now, in a sense. So, so, so in a way, as crazy as it may seem, the Marvel Universe is kind of very similar to like George Lucas's prequel trilogy, where it's like they are kind of calling out that American imperialism, and it's crazy because they're being funded by fucking Disney. This is why I love art. This is why I love artists because they know that company men don't understand this shit, mm. and they're and they're on Disney's dime. They're critiquing America. I, that's why I love the Marvel Universe because they're doing that. All 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 Disney cares about is making that money. They don't care about the minutiae. Okay, it's Iron Man Entertainment. Or blah, blah blah. But if you follow all these movies up to this point, it's a dissection of America to a certain extent, using superheroes in a sense, right there. Oh, I'm going to disagree a little bit. Um, not not with your general point, but with with Disney not realizing this shit. I think if you talk about Bob Iger, that guy's fucking clever, and and he realizes a lot of what's going on. If you look at what Pixar have done, I mean, even look at a film like um, like Wall-E. The whole premise of that is that basically <laughs> people are getting so fat that they need fucking hovering chairs to get about and no one even does exercise and stuff. There's also the, the just rampant destruction of the world by um, by creating so much rubbish and all that kind of stuff. I mean, that, that, those are pretty severe critiques. Oh, no. Um, oh, I know about I In a, in a kid's film. But, but yeah, but, yeah, but in the end, it, these guys okay everything, don't they? In the end, they rubber stamp everything to to a certain yeah. extent. Um, yes, you know because there there are other projects that do get canned for frequently. I mean, Jesus, I watched like the Good Dinosaur. That's the film that should have been canned. Frankly, I mean that was that was pretty <laughs> fucking dreadful for a kids film, for a Pixar film. That's like the worst Pixar film, man. I could have like drawn some shit on post-it notes and like you know that would have been better than that fucking film. <laughs> I haven't even seen it. So. Oh man, no, that was dreadful. That was actually really bad. Like I, I was trying to enjoy it for my son's sake, um, but even my son was just kind. Of, and he's two. He was just like looking at it, thinking this is not like as good as the other films that I watched, kind of thing. Um, no, it, it was that was not good. That was not good. Um, <laughs> sorry, I don't know how I went off of that random thing, but yeah, yeah, that was poor. But no, no, I, I do think that Disney have a lot of wherewithal about certain things. Now, obviously, if you talk about certain employees, maybe not like the the dude that. Well, sorry, who was who are you talking about before? Pearly Croydon or something? Uh, Pearl Mutter, I Pearl Mutter. Okay, fine. Like he's a, he, but, but he's the guy that owns. He's the guy that owns. Um, like when when Disney bought Marvel, like he was the the main owner, and then like it became under Disney's umbrella, and that's when Bob Iger had to step in and tell him to keep hands off the uh, Marvel movies okay. because Feige was getting frustrated. So he kind of backed off. I, like I said, right now, I think the stuff that's going on right now with the with, with, with uh, Kevin Feige, he's trying to get more diversity in there. I, Perlmutter was a guy trying to fight against diversity. He's trying to like keep it like basically white and keep it straightforward. Like, okay, this stuff sells because white people sell more than anything else. Kind of thing like that. And where Feige's kind of like, you got to adapt to the time. So when the Spider-Man movie comes out, Spider-Man will be one of the few white guys in that movie because when he goes to school in Queens, it's all diverse kids. It's all like like Latinos and blacks and Asians and stuff like that. 
Like, matter of fact, the girls, the girl that he's going after in Spider-Man is a black girl, pretty much. Yeah. So, yeah. So, when you, so you see Spider-Man in that one, it's going to be, you know how all the Spider-Mans were, like, very white bread? This one is not white bread at all. At all. Hmm. He's literally in, like, New York and Queens, where it's, like, all different minorities and stuff like that. So. Yeah, and then Black Panther is going to be a very interesting one, I think. Yeah, yeah, that's going to be the one, because that's going to be interesting, because Black Panther's whole plot is basically, like, his country is very against imperialism. Like, he, he punches people in the mouth when they try to evade Wakanda, pretty much. Yeah, and then <clears throat> the last point uh, I would say about what you're talking about, diversity and stuff, is um, Captain Marvel. So can you explain a little bit to me, because I, I, I know nothing, basically. Okay, so basically what Captain Marvel is, she's basically their Superman. Like, she's basically, she's more powerful than Doctor Strange. Like, she's, like, when she comes out, she's basically their Superman, pretty much, in a sense. Like, so, basically what happened is, um, she's going to be Marvel's first female, female-led character. Uh, aside from Ant-Man and the Wasp. I think she comes, I think Ant-Man and the Wasp comes out before her. Yeah. But I'm, I'm looking at it right now. Is, so, Ant-Man and the Wasp comes yeah. out July 6th, 2018. Yeah. And Captain Marvel yeah. comes out March, uh, March 2019. Yeah, exactly. yeah. So, so technically, so technically, the Wasp shares the movie with, Ant-Man. So it's not just an Ant-Man movie. It's like, they share equal time. Okay, who's the Wasp then? Who's the Wasp? Uh, Evangeline Lilly. Okay. You remember the the, the, the daughter of the guy that helped hook up the uh, Ant-Man machine? Remember? Oh. Daughter? Yeah, because... Sorry, I watched Ant-Man when it came out, but I don't re- recall it that well because it was a little while ago. Yeah. Okay, yeah, yeah, yeah. Okay, I'm with you. All right, fine. And she's the Wasp. Okay. She announced she's going to be in the, the fourth Avengers movie, the one where they have to stop that guy. So okay. It's all hands on deck again. So... So technically, she's going to be the first one to have like a title in the in the thing, but Captain Marvel is going to be the one. And my gut is telling me that it's going to be a majority female class cast. I think it's going to be that. I think they're going to put like it's going to be an all. I got my guts telling me it's going to be an all star female cast, and she's going to head it. And she's going to go that route because they're looking for like a female director only. There's no there's no other people are looking for it than female director basically that movie yeah well I, I did read something on it i think yeah i think you're right i think it's just going to be basically like pretty much all female um yeah and like i'm sure there'll be i'm sure there'll be some some males but i think it'll be predominantly female pretty much okay and my final question before we kind of wrap mm-hmm. start wrapping things up yeah. is um okay so it goes up to 2019 and the sort of second avengers sequel after yes. captain marvel now that's the end of phase three all right so what happens after that then or do we just not know? Okay, there's phase four, and they already got the three movies planned. But recently, Marvel and Fox have been talking, and Marvel's been allowing them to do certain things. Like, for a while, Mar- like Fox couldn't do TV shows because Marvel still had the rights to TV shows and the toys and stuff like that. But recently, Marvel's been playing nice with Fox, and Fox are putting out a couple X-Men shows and stuff like that. The rumor is that because it's called phase four, is that they got the Fantastic Four back. And then that's going to be phase four where the Fantastic Four comes back to Marvel, pretty much. And Doctor Doom will be the main bad guy. That's the, that's the rumor going around right now, that it's going to be phase four Fantastic Four. And the Fantastic Four comes back and Iron Man and Captain America and them fade to kind of like the background and be supporting characters. While Doctor Strange, Ant-Man, Captain Marvel and Black Panther are like the main characters now. Okay, so, so it's but like, but like my sort of more overarching question is how long does this go on for, effectively? As long as they keep making money, and long as they got stories. So, so this could they're, this could literally go on for like thirty, forty years. They're 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 going to James Bond route with Marvel, okay. Marvel Studio, pretty much. 
If they pull off, I say, I'll say you this much. If they pull off, I'll say this. It's a big deal. If they stick the landing and a majority of people love that that second Avengers movie and they and they tie everything up to end that those three, those 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 all three phases, they will be the they will probably go down as one of the greatest studios in history if they pull that off. Because right now they're fourteen for fourteen. They're fourteen for fourteen. None of the movies lost any money. They all were hits and they were generally enjoyed by audiences at different levels right now, in a sense. If they keep it up in the next couple three years, because next year they have Guardians of the Galaxy two, they got Spider Man and they got Thor, where Thor and the Hulk are gonna be in a glad like pretty much gonna be fighting gl- like a gladiator style in like an arena and stuff like that. God for and if yeah, that's gonna be crazy right there. You got Kate Blanchett as the villain and Loki's back. Ooh. You got Carl Irving. You have Tessa Thompson in that movie. You have Jess Goldblum in that movie. Are you kidding me? <laughs> Damn. They they said they said about the, the third Thor movie. They said they felt like they they slipped up with the with the first two Thor movies in a way, and they're like they're gonna go. It's like their goal is to treat the third Thor movie like the Winter Soldier, basically, like the, like to take it to that next level, that kind of thing. Like so they got the, the director Taika Waititi. I don't know if you know who he is. No. Um, director director from New Zealand. He's a Kiwi. Directing that movie. He, matter of fact, he he said in order from the director, he had he, he wanted to get a lot of uh, Kiwis involved in that movie, stuff like that. So he got like a lot of Maori people involved in it and stuff like that to kind of get involved in it. So he's like, I wouldn't direct that movie, so you're gonna see a lot of like diversity in that movie. So basically, Natalie Portman is out now. She doesn't want to do any more Thor uh, um, movies, so they let her go. And in her place, they got Tessa Thompson. Being the the, the 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 female lead in that movie, so you got Kate Blanchett, you got Tom Hiddleston, you got Anthony Hopkins, uh, Carl Urban, Jeff Goldblum, Tessa Thompson, Mark Ruffalo, and um, and Chris Hemsworth in the same movie, and in a gladiator, gladiator arena. <laughs> you got no words over there. It's just gone. I'm just trying to process it. <laughs> like, uh... And that's and, and that's Marvel for three next three years. So you got Guardians of the Galaxy, okay. you got Spider Man. Oh my God, Spider Man! So, it's, so it's, it's heating up though, isn't it? It's like properly heating up now. Yes, and then the next year after that is Black Panther on Black History Month. Oh, nice. Yes, and then you have Infinity War, and then you have Ant Man and the Wasp after that one. That's crazy. Wow. Um, yeah, there you go. I, I just want to give a quick shout out to two women that we forgot to mention uh julie, julie delpy who is one of my favorite actresses of all time um she's she's in uh in yeah age of ultron which i was like what the fuck she came up i was like what the fuck <laughs> i mean like the before, before uh sunset uh, before sunrise sunset trilogy. midnight trilogy is like my god i just live for that small like top 10 films ever for me well the first two are anyway and um julie delpy is just i i just dreamt about her like every night for like two years probably um the other one is marissa tomei i mean we were were messaging each other (laughs) we were just messaging each other for like 10 minutes through marissa tomei gifts today uh that was just the best thing she's just brilliant i just love her and it's hilarious because one of the gifts that you sent me yeah well because because he's like flirting shamelessly with her and then you you tweeted me um you well you messaged me one of the gifts of only you and they're 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 both in that film that's that's that he's i I love that film it's just brilliant it's like time machine man amazing every guy went crazy this people when she got announced to be an op may there was two reactions there was there was there was there was a certain group that's like she's too young you're gonna be too young 
And then the other group was like, yes, yes, yes. Every guy I seen that movie with, they all had the same reaction to Aunt May. Yeah. And when she's in that, that Spider Man movie next year, thinking about she's the hottest Aunt May ever of all time in history. Do you know that there are a lot of guys who can want to fuck Aunt May, put it that way, which is something that you couldn't say in the <laughs> Sony universe. Um, okay, yeah. so uh, enough vulgarity. Right, should we start wrapping this up? <laughs> yeah, 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 yeah. Yeah, yeah, um, yeah that, that was really interesting. I, I, we'll have to sort of plan out our own kind of, you can be our um, Kevin Feige, Feige guy about how we're going to plan out the podcast to discuss the other ones. Um, but that, that was very interesting about like the kind of Captain America and the Age of Ultron ones. Um, because for me, it's kind of like, it's finally, this has been the tipping point for me watching those four in particular. Where like, yeah, I finally get what Rashad's talking about. Like, and, and I, I can see that this is going to be huge. Um, like, it already has developed into something huge, but but yeah. not. It's not going to be appreciated until after those next two Avengers movies. I think when those next two Avengers movies come out, I think there's going to be, there's going to be a reassessment. Because there's, there's a lot of, th- I will say this, as far as my, I'll start wrapping up now. I will say this. Are there things to be criticized about? Yes. I, I'll say there's no, nothing is above criticism at all. There's nothing above being criticism. But I will say this about the Marvel movies. I think that some of the criticisms are missing the point of what they're going for. And I think I think the argument is this. If you're talking about t- traditional movie storytelling where like you want to fit in right there, I think a lot of critics rebel against the fact that they make the argument where it's like they're trying to sell the next movie or the, the different characters. And blah blah blah, and that's like that. It's like in, in, in a single, in, in a cynical way, yes, they are. But at the same time, that's what comic books do: is that they 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 have a they have a they have a comic book where everybody enjoys, and they and they throw out a character and put it in that movie to see if those people want to enjoy that character. If that character works, they stick with that character and give them their own book or their own movie. And if they do, they don't. But here's the thing: I'll say about Marvel Studios. Marvel Studios is unique in that that they're a studio that. Is only involved in building that universe. They don't make any other type of movies besides just the movies in that universe. That's where they stand alone. Like other, like like you got your WBs, you got your Foxes. They don't just make X Men movies. They don't just make DC movies. They make a, a plethora of different movies. Marvel Studio is specifically about that universe and build that universe. And I think that a lot of critics, when they judge like why Marvel is doing that type of storytelling, they can't wrap their heads around that yet. I think they, I still think they have a hard time wrapping their head around. Is that they're just making a continuous, ongoing universe, and I think that they're. I understand why they're frustrated about how that can be, and they think that's dangerous for cinema. But I think that the law of averages is showing you that Marvel is the anomaly, and more often than not, people who are going to try to follow that Marvel paradigm are not going to be able to achieve that because Marvel is so far ahead. And I'm not talking about the quality, but just far as being a trendsetter, is that. And that if you try to even go that route, your characters have to be either as good as those characters or better. Otherwise, you're going to fail in that sense. And I think that's what the critics who get frustrated with the Marvel structure don't understand. Is that not everybody's going to go along with that at this point. Like, even with the DC movies. Like, there's plenty of DC fans that enjoy it. There's people who enjoy it. But they're not in the zeitgeist right now like the Marvel characters are, in a sense. But that's just my reading on it. Yeah, and I think um, if you're talking about what a gigantic payoff there is going to be at the end, then basically, I think at the end of this decade, so you would have been looking at 22 of these films, effectively. And just looking at, so far, there's been, what, 14 films, and um, the budget of about 2.5 billion. 
and they've made almost eleven billion dollars. <laughs> yeah, which, let's just well, let's just do you know what? Let's round it down. Let's call it ten billion, just for a laugh. Yeah, yeah. forget about the other yeah. seven hundred million. That's four times. So that you just literally you put in, <laughs> you know, you, you put in one dollar, you get four, and it's just as simple as that. Yeah. Um, so, so you being so so, so you being a, so you being a stock guy. What's your like? Like, are you are you impressed by? Is that is that very impressive? This is a no fucking brainer. Invest in this, you know, absolute no brainer. <laughs> if you if you're looking if you're looking at the bond market, I'm going to get very kind of meta right now. So if you're looking at the bond market right now, if you're looking at the stock market, the stock market is incredibly unpredictable. I know there's a little boost right now, but give it a year, trust me. And then if if you're looking at interest rates are so low that if you put it in a bank and just try to expect any kind of interest on it yeah you, you're getting pennies on it um if i could invest in because obviously you can buy shares in disney and i have bought shares in disney before but they didn't perform as well as i hoped um basically i'll give you the reason why it's because of espn which is ridiculous so basically if you took espn out of the equation you're looking at disney owning all of this um pixar and star wars just take those three how much money they mint then it's kind of it's an absolutely bizarre scenario um like the, the the stock should just be an absolutely essential purchase but because of espn apparently it's like the end of the world anyway if i could just invest directly in <laughs> to marvel yeah, into marvel yeah i would put thousands of oh my christ it would just be a no brainer is marvel is marvel as a sure thing as is reasonably possible at this point until they make like a big flop well this was kind of the the question i sorry i know we're, our wrap up is going on a little bit but I, I, there's one point that i was trying to make before is that if you take it up to the end of this decade and you've got those 22 films uh, what happens next because people like defined moments it, it, you know defined eras even if it's like a 12 year, 12 year thing and you're saying that they're this golden studio they, they're 14 for 14 blah 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 but at some point that run will end and trust me <laughs> at some point that run will end i guarantee it yeah it's not going to go on forever um so at what point when do you know that you should stop it and maybe maybe trans i'm not talking about kill it dead but just trans transform it into something else so maybe that's why they're, yeah, well, maybe that's why they're looking ahead to this kind of a more sort of maybe tv based thing as opposed to the films i do know so i do know they said that they're going to look into more dramas they're going to they're going to like go just beyond just um doing the um the superhero wang bang punching stuff like they said uh, kevin fight was talking about like just doing Using those paradigms to do like straight dramas, in a sense. If they could pull off, if they could pull off a, I will say this. I'll make this argument. They're not. I think after the next Avenger, the next two Avengers movies, it, they're not going to be as huge as they are. It's going to be a wind down. But I, but if they're about longevity, if they could pull off doing superhero dramas and making them like legit, like to where to where like people who normally don't see superhero movies will go see these movies and it's like straight dramas where it's like. Daniel Day Lewis doing a fucking Marvel movie <laughs> like that, that. You know what I'm saying? If they can, if, if they, you know how crazy that would be. I'm just saying, dog. If they, if they can do movies like that, and not so much like Captain America punching around. It's not, it's not like 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 a regular dude with some kind of like some kind of like small ass power, and he's just like in a, in, a, in a small town just dealing with shit. And it's like dealing with like realistic shit in a sense like that. The only thing that the only thing that's changed is like that dude has like a small power, but it's like fucking Robert De Niro and De Niro and Al Pacino sitting in a coffee house is having a discussion, and it's in the Marvel universe. Meanwhile, in another part of the world, Ant Man is doing this shit. But that's the same fucking world where Al Pacino and 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 Robert De Niro are talking about dead grandchildren and crying about it and shit. 
Yeah, I'm, pretty, I'm saying that's how I think that's how they could survive if they can just master that. But I do agree with you 100 that the peak is going to be these two Avengers movies because there's no way that they can. There's no way that they're going to ever get this run like this again. This is like this is like Star Wars. This is like a Star Wars run. I feel like that. I think it's like the Star Wars run. Like as much as I as much as I think the Disney movies are going to make a lot of money, I feel like the Disney movies are the movies where. There are more more of a proud pleaser than the the, the George Lucas Star Wars movies ever were, and they're going to be like a norm. It's going to be like the James Bond thing, where I believe that the first six Star Wars movies were something special from the mind of one guy. I believe that these twenty two movies are going to be Kevin Feige's like magnum opus, and I think he was talking about he wants to move on after that because I think if you accomplish this, who's not going to want that guy after twenty two movies? Mm. So. Well, yeah, and also I just think he'll look back and think well what else is there to be done and exactly. and, and I kind of think you need to know when to stop and when to just uh, and, and also like what about the actors you know at what point is Robert Downey Jr. Jr. going to sort of be able to do these things or Scarlett Johansson or Samuel L. Jackson or you know after 12 years that's a long ask you know like like I was mentioning with friends before that was 10 years of their lives that was gone you know and okay they did manage to do some other projects in in sort of very defined seasons like the off season for it but otherwise that was 10 years and it's a huge commitment for all of these guys and all of them they're all work they're all working actors they all have different wants and needs that they want to do benedict cumberbatch i mean jesus do you, what do you think he's going to commit that much time to dr strange he, he can't i do know I, I i do know this though i do know that that the goal is to phase robert Downey jr out and have benedict cumberbatch be like the face for a couple of years and then phase somebody else out and phase him in i think that's the goal what they're doing with black panther and ant-man and them like they're trying to phase out like the hulk and thor and Iron Man. I wouldn't be surprised at the end of this Infinity War movie, the, the two Infinity War movies, that those old characters are phased out and they pop up like here and there once in a while, and then you have the new characters take over. Because I, because th- me, if you look at Iron Man's storyline, like he has to come to an end at some point. Like he has to come to an end. Because the storyline has to kind of like wrap mm, up and move on. Yeah. Like as far as Captain America, I think after Bucky, he made his choice. I think he kind of has to like fade into the background, do a cameo here and there every once in a while, but. I think that's not going to phase it out. But I do, like I said, going back to what you're saying is, I think that this is going to be their, this is going to be Marvel Studios' six Star Wars movie run. These last eight years is going to be that run right there. And I think that's not going to, and even there can't pull that up because their momentum is just too great right now for them to keep it up with this shit. Yeah, it's not easy. But the, the only thing that I would say is that, again, looking at from a financial point of view, the payoff, forget about the initial payoff, the box office one, just down the years, the amount of royalties and all the stuff that they're going to get. Really? I mean, Jesus Christ, you know, it's going to be huge. It's going to be so, so big. They're just going to make so much money from this, more than Star Wars, I think, in the long run. As I'm saying, I, I, I'm telling people this, and people think I'm crazy because there's a lot of Star Wars fans out there and they probably won't hear this and say you're crazy. I'm just letting you know, as big as the Star Wars movies are right now, when that first trailer, let me tell you what, when that trailer comes out and you see the Guardians of the Galaxy meet the Avengers, the internet's going to get shut down. I'm just letting you know that right now. Like, I know people are excited about the next three Star Wars movies, but, and, and, I, and I think they're going to make a lot of money, but I think that those movies are going to get, like, so many people in the seats is ridiculous. It's going to be insane. But also, also, I think Star Wars is trying to. You know how you were saying about DC before about how they're trying to copy yes. Marvel too much. Star Wars is clearly going to yes. do that. You can tell. I exactly. just a mile off, man. Yes, 
I mean, I, I'm, I'm gonna be nice about the, <laughs> the, the, the the Disney Star Wars movie because I know a lot of people enjoy them, but I can call them out for a lot of stuff. But I'm glad people enjoy them. But yeah, they pretty much are following that paradigm in a sense. So there you go. But I will say it's gonna be interesting seeing that this, this new Spider-Man trailer is coming out in front of Rogue One. So it'll be interesting to see reacting to people with that one. Hmm. Yeah, I guess we could finally, finally, finally ultimately wrap up. Yeah, that, uh, <laughs> yeah, yeah. we're coming up to the two-hour point now. So. Just, just so you guys know, we set it, we set it up to be an hour and a half, but we went over that. So. Yeah, yeah. In general, as a general principle, we're doing like hour-long podcasts now, and that's it. But like for something like this, you know, we talk about four films, uh, which we managed to yeah. do within an hour and a half, and then then we started rambling about other stuff. But it was all interesting to me because, yeah. like, you know, I don't get to pick uh, the mind of a genius. <laughs> Marvel genius like Rashad, so uh, <laughs> so uh, I'm sure like listeners got a lot of value out of it as well. Um, okay, great. Well, I think we really should wrap this up right now. So, um, yep. so yeah, uh, insert clever signature <laughs> and sign off moment right here. Peace. Peace out.